Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your AEW Dynamite Post Show for Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2024. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Wednesday evenings, wherever you may be. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime on Wednesday nights, Jesse. The shy talent smart, man. How you doing over there? Oh, look at this guy. He's got the shirt on. Oh, my goodness, man. Holy. This old thing? I just threw something on. Oh, my goodness, man. Oh, man, you got it. The hottest item in the wrestling industry right now, man. CM Punk's WrestleMania dreams. Crushed. I'm told this is the top seller on WWE shop right now. Oh man, listen, man, you can't mention that over here, man. You're gonna you're gonna upset the soy drinking, almond milk drinking geeks in the in the uh, AEW community, man. So you can't do that here. Oh, I had a can't, I, you, I had you gotta a be careful with those guys today on uh, on Twitter, man. Oh my god, man, DM Hunk, man. Look at him, man. He looks great there. Wow. I just threw something on at random, bro. I didn't even know what I was grabbing. Oh my goodness, man. This guy's wearing this guy's wearing WWE merchandise on an AEW show, man. You gotta love it. You man, gotta love man. it. Listen. I support the other company just as well, bro. See? Let's listen. Listen, you ain't telling no lies over there, man. You put money in Paul Levesque's pocket, bro. Look at that. There you go, man. There love you it. Go. Love it. Anyway, uh, AEW Dynamite. We were uh, live from uh, Bumblefuck somewhere in Texas tonight. And we are a couple of weeks away from what I think is shaping up to be a very good revolution pay-per-view for AEW. And I thought tonight was, all sarcasm aside, I thought tonight was uh, a decent show. It wasn't uh, the greatest AEW effort that I've ever seen. But we're going to talk story because a lot of people, Jesse, tend to think that we don't watch the show. All because, because we don't watch Saturday Night Collision and AEW Rampage. Oh, man. Oh, my God. It's like all, all day, man. All day I heard, oh, well, uh, I don't believe you. Andrew Baydala said that there's no story with Mark Briscoe. Wow. They get so wow. mad. Oh, man. Ah. Listen. I told, I told one guy that I can't consistently watch all three shows every week because I'm busy being a father. 
this guy went on like a four hour Twitter rant about how my priorities are not in order, how if I was really a good father, I wouldn't be talking about being a good father. He even told me that being a father was not a valid excuse for not watching Collision. Interesting. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know fatherly duties were uh, less of a priority than AEW Collision. Man, that's uh, that's that's crazy. Not important. It's unbelievable, man. It's like uh, he told me. He told me they they said, well. You know, well, I, I work and I have a family and I can watch all three shows. And I'm like, congratulations, I guess. I mean, not everyone has the same schedule or family situation as you. I can't believe I'm sitting there trying to fucking defend myself about not watching a wrestling show. I don't know, man. You know, I, I could sit here and I could banter all night with these people. Jesse and I have been covering AEW, Collision, or not Collision, Dynamite, the AEW product for the last five years. We've been here every single Wednesday. And Jesse maybe has missed a handful of them because of personal reasons. I have never missed an AEW review, ever. I've been here for five years straight. I love AEW, but I'm not going to sit here and take it easy on Tony Khan because everybody thinks I wear an AEW hoodie, I'm an AEW mark, and I have to like everything that they produce and everything that they put out. You know, Rampage is largely the worst hour of television in all of pro wrestling. It's a waste of time. And the reason why I don't watch it is because Tony Khan and AEW have given us no reason to watch the show. Nothing important happens over there. Storylines are not forwarded over there. If things were important, Tony Khan would put the effort to get those storylines on Dynamite. And he hasn't done that. Same thing with Collision. But people were claiming, well, Adam Copeland was on Dynamite tonight. He was on Collision. He's been doing the Cope Open on Collision. It's great. That's why Adam Copeland's going to be at the pay-per-view. And Tony Khan's got a pay-per-view to piece together in the next three weeks. Same thing with Daniel Garcia. Same thing with the Blackpool Combat Club. Same thing with FTR. They're going to be on the pay-per-view. He's got pay-per-view matches to now book in the last three weeks of this build. That's why they're on Dynamite. But the same thing happens over on Collision. Nothing terribly important happens over there. Nothing terribly important has happened over there since CM Punk got fired from AEW. The last important thing that happened on Collision was Samoa Joe and CM Punk building their feud Going into All In. That was the last important thing. And the Continental Classic. Can't forget that because the Continental Classic was fantastic. But if you guys want to sit there and claim that Jesse and I don't watch AEW Collision and it's our duty to do so, I'm sorry. When when is it our duty to cover Collision? If WWE had a terrible show on on Saturday nights at the 8 p.m. time slot, I'd fucking do the same thing I'm doing now. I won't watch it. Fuck, am I gonna watch it for? Nothing's yes. happening over there. That's that. Nothing happens over there that even makes it to a fucking pay per view in AEW. So why do I care? Here, here's something those people don't realize, and I hope they're watching right now. The the the, the couple that I blocked. I don't think I only blocked like one or two. Everybody else, I just sat and debated with all night because I was that bored. But the ratings for AEW's Three televised shows, Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision. Which show gets 
the most ratings? AEW Dynamite. Okay. Now, the other two shows, are the ratings even close to what Dynamite gets? AEW Collision did 400,000 viewers this past Saturday. So it's safe to say you can add up Collision's viewers, Rampage's viewers, and still not reach what Dynamite gets, correct? On most weeks, no. Okay, so follow me. I'm going somewhere with this. That being said, that tells me that me and you are clearly not the only ones that do not watch Collision on Saturdays. I guess that is correct. Now, I'll let that sink in for the people who are talking about you got to watch all three shows, but because clearly we're not the only ones that don't. Now, here's something else. You want to know something that WWE does that is actually a good thing? Because believe it or not, there, there are some great things that the production team does there. When something of importance happens on a different television show that is different from the one you're currently watching, if something happened on that show, they give you a recap package. Why? Because they don't just assume that whoever is sitting and watching the current show right now actually watched the other shows that happen throughout the week. So they'll catch you up quickly so that you have an idea of the importance of what is currently going on on your television right now. Now, doesn't that seem like a good idea? That's a fantastic idea. Because by the ratings, you can tell, and this is not about, I know people, oh, the ratings suck. This is not about what the ratings are. This is about the, what the ratings are in proportion to each other. So... If your ratings are significantly lower on the other two shows, that tells you that not everyone is watching all three shows. So you should probably make it an important fact that you keep everyone up to speed. What, what could have happened on a different show so that they can have the same vested interest in what they're currently watching as everyone else that may have watched the other shows. That's a good point. That's just me. That tells me that if it was something important, that they would be letting us know via a recap package or something like that. Maybe them, maybe they themselves know that what happened actually wasn't that important. But if it was and we didn't see it, we're not the only ones, bruh. A lot of people, a lot of people who watched Dynamite did not watch Rampage or Collision. So if, you're, if your fans are lost in your current storyline, Whose fault is that? Someone in the chat says, this is a creative-based podcast. When you don't watch Collision, you can't follow the creative that's taking place. I'm sorry. What exactly is happening on Collision that we need to cover that's happening on Dynamite? They don't even fucking tell and integrate the shows. There's no brand split here. They're not separate rosters. This is a t And this isn't a new... It's one company. Theory, people, if you look at your favorite television show, Walking Dead, I don't fucking know, ER, Grey's Anatomy, whatever, they all have recap packages at the beginning of their show just to help keep you up to speed with what you're currently watching. It's television 101. 
Bro, I'm currently watching right now. Great show, by the way. Succession on HBO Max. Every episode, I'm in season two right now. Every episode, there's a fucking two, two and a half minute recap before every episode I've been watching so far. Just in case I want a refresher about what happened in the previous episode before I sit down on a nice drink and a snack and binge watch three to four episodes. How difficult is that? How difficult is that? It's not at all. That's what you have a production team for, bro. You don't even have to manually do anything as far as if you're in creative. You call your production team. Hey, Mike Manzeri, we can use a 45-second, one-minute recap for this angle and this angle because we're about to spin it off into something important. And I want to make sure that everybody's up to speed what they may have missed on Saturday's show. Because clearly, at least three-quarters of the audience who watched Dynamite last week did not watch Collision. It also goes down to Tony Khan using the talent that he has or not using them in this case. You know, I've given the House of Black... How long they've been here, Jesse? What, three years now? Uh, two years, like two years. I don't know. How, when did Malachi debut? It's been, it's been a while. House of Black's been a thing in, in AEW. Uh, they are very much a popular group. Have they gone anywhere? Has Tony Khan booked them creatively to a point where, you know, we trust Tony Khan and the way he's using the House of Black? Malachi hasn't wrestled a singles match in, in probably his entire career in AEW. Uh, we got, uh, or at least in a few years, Buddy Matthews and Brody King, Julia Hart's doing great work, but as a group, they haven't really gone anywhere. So no, why am I going? Why am I going to continue to give these guys the benefit of the doubt after benefit of the doubt after time and time and time again of failed endeavors creatively? You know, at some point, you got to be as a fan. You, you, you got to say enough is enough. You tap out. You're mentally just tapped out at that point. So when you don't want to watch Collision because of Tony Khan dropping the ball on yet another group that's uber talented and mega popular with the fan base, you know, it's not our fucking fault that he sticks them on Saturday night and then he does nothing with them. I'm sorry. Everybody made a big deal about this Mark Briscoe situation. Mark Briscoe hasn't done jack shit since coming out of the Continental Classic, where Jesse and I raved about Mark Briscoe's performance in the entirety of that eight-week tournament. We even went on to say he produced some of the best matches, if not the best matches, in the entire tournament. It but was easily he, the, the, the easiest catalyst to, to get him going into something important. You, you want me to go back and document a very lackluster story in regards to Mark Briscoe because he got a, a, a spike drilled into his head by Julia Hart. Now, I, I told Jesse this earlier. I asked him, was there a reason why the spike was driven into his head? Was there a reason why the House of Black is targeting Mark Briscoe, why they want to eliminate Mark Briscoe? Maybe we get that reason on Saturday night, but I'm not holding my fucking breath as to why Julia Hart took a goddamn railroad spike and drilled it into Mark Briscoe's skull. Fucking killed him. I mean... This is the type of storytelling that Tony Khan is feeding people and people are all over it. And when you claim that there's no real story, they want to jump down your throat and claim watch the show. I have been watching the show. I don't need to actually watch the show to get the full gist of the storyline that they're telling. It's weak. It's not real story. 
You know, I, I could sit there. I could do what Tony Khan's doing, wrestler A versus wrestler B. They're fighting because they are looking for a fight. Okay. How many times do I have to sit here and ask Jesse, well, bro, wh wh where's the why and why they're, they're fighting? Is there a why? Yeah. There, there, there's, a, there's a reason for the House of Black and them getting into feud with FTR. House of Black, apparently, I did some research on this. House of Black claimed that FTR was best friends with CM Punk and claimed that CM Punk left them. They had nobody else to back them up. They enlisted them, gave them the offer to join the House of Black and claimed that they got no other backup because their only backup left. They got fired. But they had Mark Briscoe. They had Daniel Garcia. That played out over House of Black taking out Mark Briscoe. And then Danny Garcia filling in for FTR. So they did have backup, which the House of Black didn't really understand. Then they took that for granted, which led to that steel cage match, which now led to the railroad spike in Mark Briscoe's head. But, I mean, it, it's not groundbreaking storytelling where I got to fucking jump out of my seat every Saturday night and fucking dedicate two hours of my life to watch Collision. I mean... Holy shit, guys. No. Like, you, you, you think that we don't fucking pay attention. We do pay attention. No. Not if it's that. not happening on Dynamite, why the fuck do we need to care? No, not only that. If anything of major interest happened on either one of these shows, we would, we would have found out about it. We would have heard about it. It would have come up. Clearly, nothing of importance happened. Because no one is really talking about it. So even if even if there is a piece of the story that we're watching on Dynamite that happened on Collision, it couldn't have been that damn important. No one cared. No one is actually watching. No one is talking about it after the fact. You got to go back and see this match. You got to no. go back and see this angle. You got to go back and see this promo. No one's talking about no. it. No. Couldn't have been that good. Now the Blackpool Combat Club is feuding with FTR. You know what I found out about that? Because the CMLL guys are taking a couple of weeks off. They got an event down in Mexico. Blackpool Combat Club is going to fly down there and they're going to confront them in, on their home turf. So while the CMLL storyline has halted right now in AEW, Blackpool Combat Club is looking for a fight. They're looking to keep busy, which is, in simpler terms, Tony Khan needing to get them opponents for the fucking pay-per-view coming up because he doesn't want to leave the Blackpool Combat Club off the card with 16,000 people in the building on that Saturday or Sunday evening for Revolution. So FTR answered the call. That's great. That's great. Now we got FTR on the Blackpool Combat Club feuding. Why? Because they're, they're looking for a fight? That, that, that storytelling to you to you stands out there. You're going to have to do better than that, man. This is not some fucking rinky-dink, you know, eat slop and eat what you're given podcast. You know, we're going to be asking questions. AEW had rich story in their first couple of years, and then they gave way to this simplistic, nonsensical, fucking amateurish booking that everybody seems to digest and fucking feel satisfied with. I'm not. Jesse's not. I'm sorry that your show is very mid. And the only show that really matters here is the show that you're covering right now, Dynamite. That's it. If it don't happen on Dynamite, I don't want to hear a fucking thing. If I'm not seeing these guys on Dynamite, I don't give a shit. Do you want to know how you're going to get Jesse and I to watch Collision? With the abundance of fucking roster and payroll that Tony Khan has, he could do a roster split 
Give me half of this talented roster on Collision and half of this talented roster on Dynamite. You want dedicated rosters so I know who to tune in for on Saturday night. Dedicated rosters on Wednesday night so I know who I'm tuning in to watch on Wednesday night. So when, when AEW doesn't take what's happening on Saturday and then do it on Wednesday and there is no brand split and there is no sense of urgency and there is no importance, I'm not going to watch. He's got so many fucking different moving parts. It's tough It's tough to keep up with everything. But if you split the fucking rosters and put a writing staff on that show and a writing staff on Wednesday, maybe it'll be a little bit more digestible. I would go out of my way to watch the stories that are being told over there. Yeah. They're not doing that. No. You know, the 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 the, the famous the famous phrase, if you build it, they will come. This applies. If you just build an interesting wrestling show, people will show up. People will show up and show out. If there was something of major interest going down on these shows, people will show up. Now, I'm watching Rampage every week because I'm I'm covering it in a watch along. But not gonna lie, man, it's it's just there in the background. It's very boring, man. I'm usually spending that time talking to my viewers in the chat. We're shooting the shit. If something big happens, we'll touch on it. But we're just hanging out and having fun, man, because there's nothing of real interest happening on the fucking show. Here's a good example for you and everybody in the chat. How, how much of this show, how much of this collision show is going to make it to the pay-per-view? Normally, I gauge the pay-per-views as, you know what? The current quarter that we're in, right, from December to March, whatever takes place in these three months, three and a half months, it's probably going to get a payoff at the pay-per-view, and then we get into a whole new slew of storylines. We got Swerve Strickland, Adam Page, and Samoa Joe for the World Championship. That's taking place on Dynamite. I don't see none of those guys on Collision. We got the Young Bucks, Sting, Darby Allin. That's going to be the main event of Revolution. I don't see that taking place on Collision. Where, where has the majority of that stuff and that story been? On Dynamite, on Wednesday. What about Deanna Perrazzo and Tony Storm? Outside Tony getting wins that don't really matter because she's, she's the champion, and Deanna Perrazzo padding her fucking rankings on Collision, the majority of the story has taken place on Dynamite. Perrazzo debuted on Dynamite. She didn't debut on Collision. So that's three storylines right there. The majority of Edge's run with Christian Cage has taken place on Dynamite. And you saw another aspect of that here tonight. On Dynamite, when he got concertoed by Christian Cage, which is probably going to lead to another one-on-one match between the two at Revolution. That's four storylines right there. Orange Cassidy, he's wrestled on Collision, but I haven't seen him or heard him forward any dialogue with Roderick Strong. In fact, Jesse, has there been any dialogue between Roderick Strong and Orange Cassidy for the International Championship outside of the fact that Roddy says he wants the title and for whatever reason? Has there been any dialogue? No, we they haven't they haven't touched on that feud at all, man. Have the undisputed kingdom even made it over to collision? Barely. Most Not of that has taken place once again on dynamite. How many there of the is... how many of the feuds on collision actually make it to the fucking pay-per-view? Zero. So if the feuds don't make it to pay-per-view, how the fuck do you expect Jesse and I to take what happens on collision? to be important when the pay-per-view is the end-all be-all and what everybody works to be on. Zero. Where, 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 is, where is Mercedes debuting? Is it on Collision? She's debuting on Dynamite. Where's on Okada Dynamite. debuting? On Dynamite. Where is Osprey debuting? On Dynamite. 
nothing important happens there. I tell you what, if you if if you left me breadcrumbs and a and a and hints that Mercedes will be debuting on Collision, guess where my ass will be on that Saturday night? Watching Collision. It's not that difficult to grasp. It's not. They give you a reason to watch Dynamite. They're they're basically telling you, hey, watch us. You can't miss this show. Have they done that at all with with Collision? And and, and trust me, I take nothing away from Brian Danielson and, and Adam Copeland and John Moxley. But the way that they're being used... It's basically like a PBS fucking variety hour. I got I got Brian Danielson wrestling Yuji Nagata. I got Orange Cassidy wrestling Tomohiro Ishii. I got Adam Copeland wrestling Lee Moriarty. I don't give a fuck. I don't. I'm sorry. Nobody wants that. That's what they want. Great. I respect all three of those guys. But that's not what me as a fan wants. Where's the story? The Cope Open. Great. How much of this Cope Open has involved Christian Cage? He's been winning matches. Christian's had jack shit to do with Adam Copeland until he gets the fucking rankings he needs to challenge for the title. You don't see Christian Cage over there. Somebody, uh, a couple of people in the chat brought up, I completely forgot, I completely forgot since Andrade left, where's Miro and CJ? I don't know. Maybe we should ask the soy milk drinking AEW crybabies where Miro is. Where the fuck? I mean, they were gone for so long for injuries, for um, uh, disagreements, whatever the case may be. But he came back. He got his hot, flexible wife on TV and everything else ready to roll with it. And they just gone. They're just gone. Zero explanation, just not on TV anymore. But at some point, you're going to bring them back, and then you're going to want us to care about them. Devoted. Devoted. I'm not saying Collision is bad. I'm not. How can AEW be bad when they have the best in-ring product in all of pro wrestling? It's not bad. What we're saying is it's not important. It's not. Tony Khan has not made it feel important at all. He's made Dynamite feel important. How do we get Dynamite and Collision to feel important at the same time? That's what we need to work on. I'm tired of the variety hour. I'm tired of the fucking amateurish storytelling. I'm I'm, I'm done. I'm genuinely done arguing with people. And then they come back to me as if I never was critical of WWE. In, In all seven, eight years, I've done this podcast. I mean... Every, fr- every Friday, three, five out of the last six Fridays, I've said, SmackDown felt like another show, man. Nothing important happened over there. Mostly every Friday, and now outside of WrestleMania season, with us being in WrestleMania season, has been unimportant. I sat here for three hours and shit on the fucking Royal Rumble. WWE's not immune to criticism. There's, I don't understand you guys. I'm a Paul Levesque shill now. I've been There's a Paul Levesque shill since NXT yeah. Black and Gold started day one. There, there's, there's a huge tribe of WWE shills. There's a huge tribe of AEW shills. And whenever you say anything bad about one company, 
those shills come out and say, oh, you're just a shill for the other company. And then the other company says, oh, you're just a shill for the other company. You fucking people clearly either don't watch what we do here or you are just mentally ill because I don't understand how you can be a shill for both. Which one is it? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. This new Japan random matchmaking style that Tony Khan has embarked on and doubled down on doesn't really work in the United States. And Drew and I talked about that last night on TNT. It doesn't work here. You're not going to draw new viewers by throwing out Tomohiro Ishii and Orange Cassidy in the main event of AEW Collision. Do you know what that does to a viewer? Now, I don't, I don't expect the simple-minded fucking buffoons in the AEW community to understand where I'm coming from because they can't handle, you know, us shitting on their fucking uh, Tony Khan logic. But you know what I look at when I see that main event? Two things. And Jesse and I have talked about this in nauseam. Orange Cassidy just won that title back this past summer from John Moxley. What was the story, Jesse, with Orange Cassidy with that international championship? The more title defenses he had, the tougher it was for him to re retain that title, correct? Yeah, he was. So what exactly, what exactly are they doing now with Orange Cassidy? Um, now he's... Fine. He's just changed. Oh, now, now, now he's fine. He's, he's, oh, all these title defenses he's had. He's now, now he's fine, right? He's, he's not. Fine. He's got not. He's got no wounds on him, right? No, no, uh, no battle scars about defending that title nightly now, right? No, no, no. He's good. He's good now. He's great. Yeah, yeah. It's he, a, did so he take a bunch of time off or something? We're, we're basically embarking on the same storyline with Orange Cassidy, which is a problem in itself that we've documented many times. The titles don't have identities, and they're basically fucking props to put on Tony Khan's favorite toy wrestlers so that he can call them a champion. That's interesting to you? And what the fuck does Tomohiro Ishii coming into AEW do? We have a, a pay-per-view that is supposed to be uh, once in a year where we get all these major promotions yeah. working together to, to have a big super show. It's called Forbidden Door. If you're giving me Forbidden Door every other fucking week on Collision, how the fuck special. does that make Forbidden Door in July that important? It's not special anymore. You know, what am I and, losing and, my fucking so, mind with you people? Yeah. So we do, we do, we do shit on like the new Japan stars coming over and having matches. But look, if they didn't do it so fucking often, like you just said, then it would be special. But now they're just reoccurring guys that no one actually really knows too much about or definitely doesn't give a shit about on Dynamite. You know, like we how are we supposed to care? We don't know who these people are. You're still trying to get us to like the people who actually are on the show every week. Now you want us to care about some new Japan star who just came over 15 minutes ago. I don't you care. you do it every other week. and shit. It's not, it is not, I mean, Ishii, great. We've heard the stories. We've heard the rumors. You know, those of us who are fans know he's great. But really, how is it exciting if it happens so much? And then when it does happen, it has no importance. It's just there, and you want us to mark out about it. We mark out when we get Okada. How often do you think we'll mark out when you give us Okada if we get him every other fucking week? I don't know. That's going to be the test. You're going to have Osprey, Mercedes, and Okada on the same show. What are you going to do then? You're going to have to make us interested in them via story. What, are you going to throw Mercedes out there and have her fucking go one-on-one -on -one with Jamie Hayter night one? 
Tony Storm night one, Britt Baker night one. Yep. Didn't put her on dynamite. Or, or and then ever go to Rampage. collision and wrestle fucking Anna J in a nothing match. Nobody's special at that point. Man. Come on, man. Collision. I mean, I'm thinking about this while Jesse's talking. I mean, we got Ring of Honor, we got New Japan, we got CMLL, we got AEW. I mean, holy fucking what is the identity of the show? Is it AEW collision? Or is it fucking random matches made by Tony Khan Saturday night? What, what, what the fuck is it? How am I supposed to enjoy the fucking show and enjoy the stories on the show when I got five other different fucking promotions and 12 fucking titles being showcased every single week? Yeah. Nobody yeah. gives a fuck about Willie Mack wrestling Eddie Kingston. Nobody gives a shit about, Tola, what's his name, Brian Keith. Getting a fucking championship match. He just signed a new contract with AEW. Who cares? The bounty hunter. Why? Why? Save that shit for Ring of Honor. Or save that shit for Rampage. Between, this, is a, this is your B-show. A variety between, hour is your B-show. Between Dynamite stars, and then you got the ROH brand, and then you got New Japan, and then CMLL, that is way too many different organizations that you want us to care about at one time, and you're telling us no story behind it. Why would we care about what's going on in all these other different promotions? Tell me one story that is specific and exclusive to Collision. People ranted about this Mark Briscoe story. That's it. That's all you got. Not one fucking story. Dedicated and exclusive to AEW Collision. So why don't be, you just... It used to be Miro and Andrade. Used to be. You know what it also used to be? Used to be Punk and FTR and Bullet Club Gold. What the fuck are they doing now? Can I we know, start, what, Punk, can I know we, what Punk's can, doing. Can we start? Yeah, Punk is... Uh, don't worry about Punk. Can we start talking about Jay White? And what Tony Khan's reduced Jay White to. The Bang yeah. Bang oh. Scissor Gang. He goes from AEW Collision in the main event with CM Punk. Continental Classic, which he wrestled his balls off. To holding the Ring of Honor six-man tag team championships. Which are probably the most irrelevant titles next to the WWE women's tag team titles. And he's in a group called the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. Meanwhile, he's confidant. Meanwhile, his... his uh, his cohort there, Okada's going to come on in and instantly take his spot right away from him. He carried around MJF's title for months. The casuals would tune into the show and they would think for a minute, just for a minute, that this guy's world champion. You know, they would find out that he's not, but then they would say to themselves, he must be important. He must be important. All those people who went around saying that Jay White was buried and we went around and laughed in their face. Oh, you got a fucking point almost now. There's only five stories that matter in AEW right now, and they all happened on the show you watched this evening. Dynamite. If you want me to watch Collision, I told you exactly how to do that. Split the rosters. How many top names do you have on this roster that could lead a show or a brand? You got the biggest and best roster in the history of pro wrestling. Employed on this payroll. You can't split the fucking rosters and give me a reason to watch AEW Collision? 
I mean, if you took the proper steps to make me give a shit about the show, maybe the ratings would be better than 450,000 on a fucking Saturday night in the midst of nothing happening on set. What's happening now? There's no football. There's no, the, what, what's happening? No UFC. There's no UFC. There's no, there's no college basketball, right? What, what's going nope. on? Nope, none of that. And now they got March Madness coming up. They're really going to dip. We told you the steps that are needed to make the show feel important. And stop getting Jesse. Jesse does a live review or, or, or a watch along of Rampage. And he, and he told me today, you don't need to watch the fucking show. I watch the show and nothing terribly important happens. No. If, I, if, if there was something that terribly important happened, I would have let you know by now. Nothing. It's a house show, bro. It's legitimately a house show. That is what happens on Rampage every Friday. It's a one hour house show. And I can't tell the difference between Rampage and fucking Collision. You get you, half a collision is rampage. Yep. I don't understand you guys, man. I, I I don't understand you guys. Seriously. I could catch up on collision by watching YouTube videos. And I don't like doing that because I don't get the full spectrum of doing AEW that way. But I was gonna say that. I was gonna say that. You can you can pretty much catch yourself up to the matches and everything. By scrolling through your YouTube feed easily, and I got I got people I got people out here telling me that Monday Night Raw is no better. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I mean Jesse doesn't watch WWE, but this is WrestleMania season. He at least knows what's going on. Monday Night Raw has Drew McIntyre probably doing the best character work of his entire life right now. Seth Rollins and his injury, the Elimination Chamber finding his opponent, Rhea Ripley, Becky Lynch. Gunther and his 600 days intercontinental championship, which is a fucking story in itself right there. Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, the judgment day with R-Truth leading to R-Truth winning the tag team titles at WrestleMania. I mean, we even had Imperium versus the New Day. They had a great fucking feud for the last few weeks. Well, what the, what, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, yeah. then you want to go to SmackDown. We got The Rock there. We got Roman now, EO and Bayley. We got, you know, less on SmackDown than on Monday Night Raw, but that's a two-hour show compared to a three-hour show. And they're leaving Fox. They don't really give a shit what they put on that show. They, they, they basically gave the finger to Fox. But, I mean, why are you comparing Raw to Collision when there's more happening on Raw than there is a two-hour collision on a Saturday night? Stop. This, this is how much, this is how big WWE is making their big stories. Their storylines bleed out into AEW fans and everything else. You could not watch any WWE at all. And if you're a wrestling fan, you know that big shit is going down with the bloodline when the bloodline was their biggest thing. Now, you know that shit is going down with Cody and Roman and The Rock. You know that shit's going down. You don't have to watch it because they've made it so big, you know that there's big time shit going down with their major stories. Because people are talking about it. It shows up everywhere. It's like I said, but if something important were happening, we would know about it. You know about WWE's big shows because it, it, it turns into big fucking story. I can't believe I'm sitting there talking about something that WWE is doing way better than AEW. I mean, but they are. That's just the, the fucking facts. facts. That's just the facts. It is. Everything is cohesive. Everything makes sense. Happens on Raw, stays on Raw, except for the Chamber, which I explained why that happened, because Punk's injury fucked everything up. 
And what happens on SmackDown stays on SmackDown. I know what I'm getting when I tune into Monday night. I know what I'm getting when I tune into Friday night. I don't know who the fuck is showing up and from where they're showing up on Saturday night. I don't. And when they get that under control and when they become a little bit more consistent in giving me certain exclusivity on a Saturday night with a split roster, then and only then will Collision mean something to the smart fans out there. You people want to sit home and watch wrestling on a Saturday night? God bless you. But when they continue to trot out CMLL, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Toby Keith, whatever the fuck his name is, uh, no Miro, and all these other jobbers, the outrunners, fuck out of here. That's what you want me to waste my Saturday night on. No, but Mark Briscoe and the House of Black, yo, there's great story there. Now, and, and that's not a knock on them because there should be great story there. It was all set up. I don't have to tell you how House of Black is set up for great story. Their, their mere existence just oozes story just tell it mark briscoe's story was laid out for us in the tournament it was never capitalized on though where's jay, where's jay lethal's story where's jay lethal where's jay lethal's story what happened to that i saw a couple of promos uh not promo i saw a couple of segments backstage where he would get into a rift with jared and satin and Singh and shit like that and then i watched like a week or two later and they had the exact same rift amongst each other backstage again. I thought I was watching a replay. Like, I thought they already had this rift. They, they literally had the same rift with each other twice. And then we stopped seeing them. I'm so confused. AEW needs to get their shit together. I don't know how many times I, I need to explain this. And, 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 and yes, rest in peace, Toby Keith. Um, and Jesse and I are going to go over what happened tonight. You know, we're not going to joke around about it. We're going to be very upfront with you guys like we always are. I got my fucking notes. We came locked, loaded, and prepared for this review. And we got everything we need. Jesse's prepared. I'm prepared. We're going to get into it. Okay? But that needed to be stated. That needed to be addressed. I've been doing this shit for way too long to be insulted about, oh, well, you know, if you're taking money from people, you should be at least knowledgeable, knowledgeable about what you're covering. Who the fuck are you to tell me that I'm not knowledgeable? I deliver the best fucking content in this entire space. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm first more knowledgeable off, than half the no fucking one, people here. First off, no one is taking money from anyone. You don't have to pay. You don't have to pay to view our content. People choose to donate because they are nice people and that JD works his ass off for the content that he gives them, and they choose to donate for his time. They don't have to, and they still get to enjoy it. They're not paying for the content. It's free. How one guy tell me I got no effort in my content if I'm not watching Collision? There you go. See? That's, that's the level <laughs> of stupidity that I had to deal with today. I'm sorry AEW's ice cold. I got to see how they're going to drop the ball on Mercedes because they haven't given me a good feeling about what they're doing with her either. I'm really hoping for a women's division revolution this, this summer. I'm really hoping because there's no more excuses. There's no more excuses. Absolutely none. Maybe Tony Khan needs to take the fucking shackles off of everybody and let go of some responsibility. Like hire a writing team. We're going to get into this shit. 
Thank you guys very much for all your support. If you guys are here, thank you. Hit that thumbs up. Make sure you guys follow us on social media. At JD from NY206 on X. At Chi-Town Smart on X. He is staying away from X as far as he could on moments like this, on days like this. But when he shows up, there you go. Go follow him. Click the link in the description. It'll take it to Jesse's YouTube channel as well. He's got his own YouTube channel. Uh, bro, that Scott the Moore video that you did did, uh, what, almost 4,000 views, huh? It's pretty big, man. And, uh, I mean, for, for my channel, it's pretty big. Um, I have a lot more content coming, man. Good. I got some big changes coming. Um, I'm going to have exclusive member content coming. Um, I got some um, some visual changes coming. I might be might be in um, discussions with an editor. We'll see, man. I get, I guess when I say it, I'm not bullshitting you when I say I got things coming up, man. I got things on the horizon. I got people helping me out, and this will be a big year for me, man. Can't Good. wait. Good. More content, the better. And make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We will be here all WrestleMania season. We'll be here delivering the news, whether it's WWE or AEW. Thank you guys very much. More is definitely on the way. It's going to be a busy season, and it's already been the best year ever, and we're not even through half of February yet. So thank you guys very much. This is already the biggest and best month in the history of the podcast, and we're not even through half of the month yet. One quick question, one quick request. Well, we got a bunch of people here. My birthday is Friday. Yeah. Thank thank you ahead for all the happy birthday wishes. But um, I'm going to do a birthday live stream on Friday. We're just going to hang out and literally, bro, we're just going to take the fucking shoes off, gloves off, no background, nothing fucking special. We're going to have some fucking drinks and shoot the shit. Drunker I get, the more fucking dirt I might spill. Who knows? So join. Come hang out on my birthday. That is uh, Friday. This Friday. Yep. That's a good day to have a birthday. Shout out to Frank. Happy early birthday to Frank. Yes, he is. He's got to get uh, a root canal. Poor Frank. Oh, he's th- is that that same tooth problem? Or yep. another one? You know, it's the same tooth. Oh, my God, Frank. Come on. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. Listen, guys, go to the, de- go see Britt Baker, okay? Yeah. Go, go. See, go see Britt. Hi, Britt. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, man, I miss Britt on TV. We need Britt Baker we need, back. We, we need Britt on TV. It's been long enough. Not rushing it, though, because no. I know I, I have faith that they're not just letting her fall to the wayside. I'm sure they have plans coming up for it. Maybe they involve Mercedes. Maybe they involve Jamie Hayter. So whatever you got planned for, just make it big because we need Britt Baker back right now. Oh, my God, Billy, you're giving money to the podcast, man. How could you give money to a low-effort podcast, bro? I mean, he's doing nothing for that money. I mean, holy shit, man! I'm not, I'm not giving you guys effort, effort content here. <laughs> Billy Bomb with a $100 super chat. AEW needs a creative team. JD and Jesse, we love AEW and want the product to be fucking successful. JD and Jesse speak the truth. They have the talent in AEW for the love of God. TK, get Scott Demore ASAP. My birthday is Sunday. Thanks, love IWC. You guys rule. Uh, I think Tony Khan needs anybody at this point, man. Seriously, a, t- a writing team is something that Tony Khan should definitely uh, go out there and uh, seek for sure. And, and no, it's not going to it's not going to benefit him by bringing back QT Marshall. QT is back. Woo! 
which was in the news today. I'm not even going to go over because, you know, I don't really find that to be uh, all that big of a deal, but I'm just looking at it as maybe Cody couldn't get him a job in WWE. Oh, that's just wrong, man. I'll, I'll, I'll be the optimist on this one. Um, I'm hearing they brought him back as a, in a management role and not on screen. Yeah. Um, and I know QT Marshall has been instrumental in a lot of the careers of quite a few uh, guys on the roster. So he might he might have some good takes in creative. So if he can come on and help with the creative aspect of it, let's see, man. Yeah. It can't get much worse. No, it can't get much worse at all. We start Dynamite off with John Moxley and Dax Harwood. Now, nice. Dax... Dax, this is the first match that Dax has had since the spring of 2023, April to be exact. And there he lost, I believe his last match was to Jeff Jarrett, as I'm looking on cagematch.net, Tony Khan's favorite website. It does come in handy. Uh, yeah. What? Why? Yeah. Listen, man, I can't listen. It's in the stats. What do you want me to do? Now, if you guys expected a great wrestling match, you got it. Dax is fucking great. Love Dax. Even though, uh, even though uh, he uh, said some, uh, not some cool things to me online last year. I mean, I mean, we got to listen, man. Maybe we should have consulted Bret Hart before we talk about this match. You know, I, uh, I don't carefully. think, I, I don't, I don't think I'm uh, professional enough to talk about uh, this match with John Moxley. Be careful, man. You don't want to. Well, that's it. I get nothing. Anyway, this was a great match. Um, now, like I said earlier, the Blackpool Combat Club has been feuding with the CMLL guys. Uh, that's going to take a little bit of a hiatus. They are doing something down in Mexico, and the Blackpool Combat Club need uh, presumably opponents for Revolution, which, you know, wait for the soy milk drinking AEW fans to tell me where the story is, man. We got the Blackpool Combat Club and FTR basically happened on collision where with there, there was this big pull-apart brawl. And the Blackpool Combat Club, basically, John Moxley called out anybody and anybody or, you know, whatever tag team exists in AEW to come out and have a fight. And that's what happened with FTR, which led us to this match tonight here between these two. Now, what we got here was almost a time limit match, and we will pick it up after the commercial break. So, Harwood... Uh, countered some corner punches from Moxley into a Liger bomb, and we go to a picture-in-picture break. So after the break, we come back, and we got some ground submissions, things uh, returned from commercial, and both guys continued throwing chops and some forearms at each other. Both connected with some big shots. They both doubled down. Moxley raked the back of Dax while both were in the corner, and they could not get the upper hand on each other. Harwood stayed uh, in the corner, and he hit a superplex on John Moxley. So both rolled to their knees, and we got some headbutts, and they were really going at it with the headbutts there in the middle of the ring. And Dax gets up, throws two lariats. Moxley ducks uh, the third lariat, and he hit one of his own, which Harwood basically took there, and he goes down. So, Justin Roberts, he calls for the five-minute. We got 15 minutes already passed. We got five minutes left to go. It's a 20-minute time limit here in the open. 
And John Moxley escaped a sharpshooter into an armbar. Harwood got a pin for a one count. Harwood then faked a shot on Moxley. Moxley ducked, and he counted into a pile driver on Dax for a two. Moxley then rolls to the outside, and Harwood goes to chase after him, which was basically all a setup to get a low blow by kicking the ropes when he came back inside, which basically crotched Harwood on the middle rope. Moxley connected on a cutter and then a Seth Rollins curb stomp. He goes for recovery, gets a two count. So both are trading counters of signature moves. Harwood hit a beautiful-looking brain buster, missed a top rope diving headbutt, and he dove right into a rear naked choke from John Moxley, which... Harwood tried desperately to fight out of, and he ultimately tapped out, which I was surprised by. I thought he would pass out, but he did indeed tap out. Now, Moxley refused to let go of the chokehold, which brought out Cash Wheeler to beat down John Moxley. Then Claudio comes out, even the odds, and he dropped Wheeler with a neutralizer right away. Moxley reapplied the choke on Harwood and the Blackpool Combat Club. John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli stand tall at the end of this match. Now, this was a great match. And I said on Twitter, Jesse, obviously Tony Khan does not want to leave these two teams off of the pay-per-view. He does not want to leave John Moxley off the pay-per-view. FTR, I don't think they really had a pay-per-view. When was the last time they had a pay-per-view match on IEW? They missed World's End. They should have been at World's End against the House of Black. They, they missed that boat. Uh, I don't think they were at Wrestle Dream. When was the last time we saw them? All in? Dude, FTR has not been in anything of any kind of importance no. since Punk left. No. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. No, but they're in the rankings, though, so uh, we can pretend yeah, that, they're, sure. uh, that they're serious. So right now, it looks like FTR is finally going to get a pay-per-view match against the Blackpool Combat Club. Now, it could end up being Moxley and Claudio versus Dax and Cash, or it could be... Dax Cash and Danny Garcia against Moxley, Claudio, and Wheeler Yuta. Now, where, where's Brian? Brian's wrestling Eddie Kingston at the pay-per-view for the AEW Continental title. Now, the reason why Brian is wrestling uh, Eddie Kingston is because I believe it was last week where Eddie Kingston beat Brian Keith, or maybe it was a week before that. He wrestled Brian Keith, regardless, on collision. Brian Keith lost the match. Uh, Eddie Kingston wanted to give him an opportunity because that's who Eddie Kingston is. After Brian Keith lost the match, we got a big graphic on the big screen that Brian Keith was now all elite. He signed to AEW. Now, as Eddie Kingston and Brian Keith were in the ring kind of embracing, Brian Danielson comes out and steals the spotlight away from Brian Keith, which then angered Eddie Kingston. And basically, Eddie Kingston now wants to take out Brian because he felt like he fucked with Brian Keith's moment. I mean, it's not really a, a story between these two. There's much more to the story between Eddie Kingston and Brian Danielson, which dates back fucking years. So I'm not using that as the catalyst to get this match. I'm not going to complain about a Brian and Eddie Kingston match on pay-per-view, which should be fucking phenomenal anyway. Like, no, because I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, match. I mean, it's going to be great regardless. But, I mean, for the fact that people are claiming that's the story, no, that's not the story. The story has been built up through the Continental Classic and well before that. So... Yeah. I mean, this is this is something that Eddie Kings has been doing with the Blackpool Combat Club for months now. Months. He beat Moxley in the finals of the of the tournament at World's End, and now he's trying to get. Now he's going to have to beat Brian again, where he beat Brian in the Continental Classic. It's going to be a different beast now, you know. So that's I, where but I, I do like I like the effort that they're putting into making Eddie Kingston um, a top guy in the company. You can you can tell that they're they're not just 
letting him hang. He's he's doing big shit. He's out there feuding with bigger with bigger names. He's winning bigger matches and he's carrying titles. Um, he was labeled as a quote unquote bum by yeah. the community, but he is he is up there with the top guys, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, so we we could be getting that six man tag or the tag team match with FTR and the Blackpool Combat Club at Revolution. Either one of those matches I, I'm okay with, but, you know, it, it is a reach right now uh, to say that there is a story between the Blackpool Combat Club and FTR. But the thing is, Jesse, if they actually do build a legitimate story, you know, we could be looking at a, a positive here. If you let these two teams go and you build a story between these two teams, I mean, the potential there is fucking through the roof. This is something that a lot of fans have been asking for uh, since the Blackpool Combat Club got started with FTR. Also, you know, it could showcase the AW Tag Team Division, which right now uh, I think is in the midst of a reset, per se. We got the Young Bucks chasing down the tag team titles, Sting and Darby Allen. Looks like we're going to be getting those tag team titles back on the Young Bucks. They're playing a great heel role right now, so who knows yeah. where those titles are going to be. Um, them, you know, FTR needs to be back in contention. The House of Black needs to be in contention. Blackpool Combat Club needs to be in contention. Those are three great fucking teams right there. So if that's the case, that's a thumbs up as well. Uh, but again, I don't know wh what their vision is here. I, re I really don't. No, I don't know either, man. It, 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 it felt like that they were... When they came out of this tournament, it really felt like they were headed towards a place where they had direction for so many different people. We even laid it out for everyone here about how how it looked, what it looked like, and what direction they were going with so many different people. And none of it panned out. And I don't see a reason why it didn't pan out. They just didn't do it. Still don't know where Jay Lethal is. Still don't know why Mark Briscoe has not capitalized on the momentum coming out of the tournament. I I don't understand why. That is the part I'm feeling. I would get it if there were injuries or something that had made you change direction, but there was none of that. And I don't I don't see why Jay Lethal is not being capitalized. You keep teasing it, and then we won't get it. Listen, you know, the I huge story with with with, with uh, Eddie coming out of the tournament. It's a great fucking story. Why is it buried on collision? That's that's the part I don't get. Now, it, it looks like that Tony Khan has a soft brand split going on with, with AW Collision because some people have specifically appeared only on collision and not on dynamite, like Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston hasn't been on dynamite for, for a while since the, since the Continental Classic. So why don't you just go all the way with the brand split and give us a dedicated roster so we know who exactly we're getting on a Saturday night, if you've already taken the steps to do a soft brand split without actually announcing that there's a soft brand split. Yeah. That's, that's the part I don't understand. Yeah. You know, it would help. It, it would, it would help tremendously. Yeah. And I'm not the only one saying that you, you're starting to see that opinion more and more on social media. Where do you think they got it from? Drew and I've been talking about this for months now. Jesse and I've been talking about this for months now. Yeah. It's not, it's not new information. So this FTR and BCC, hopefully it ends up, it's going to be great. I just need a reason as to why. I'm going to need more than, you know, insert team name here that answers John Moxley's challenge for a fight. I mean, that's not, that's not a story. No. That's not a story. It's an angle. It's a right now because they need matches for the pay-per-view. But for you to tell me 
Oh man, you're not watching Collision and you're missing the story. That's not a story. Story takes place over weeks of television. This happened on Saturday and he needed an opponent for Wednesday. It's not a story. Give me a break. Speaking of story, we could be looking at a great story if they play their cards right. Renee Paquette interviewed Don Callis and the Don Callis family. He's there with Powerhouse Hobbs and Kanosuke Takeshita. Callis said that they are a victim of their own success because nobody wants to wrestle Takeshita and nobody wants to wrestle Hobbs. He said at Revolution, they can't find an opponent. He says he's going to put together a match that will have people talking for decades featuring members of the Don Callis family against each other. And then Don Callis makes the match official for Revolution. It will be Konosuke Takeshita against Will Osprey at Revolution, March 3rd. Now, at first glance, at first, at first, you know, hearing this, Jesse, yeah. I was like, all right. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and fucking shit on that. I mean, it's matching or not right there. I don't give a fuck what happens on the show. That's matching or not right there. Yeah, and and that's, the corner. that's, that's the, yeah, that's, that's the type of match where you're going to be looking at how they're going to handle that. Will Ospreay is not losing his first match in AEW, no matter who it's against. And in this, in this moment, Jesse, it's against the one guy that can't lose a fucking match. It's the reason why Tony Khan didn't put him in the tournament, the Continental Classic, because he didn't want him to lose. And here we are against yeah. Will Ospreay at Revolution. Yeah, you're, you booked yourself into a corner there. Great match. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Um, the wrestling will be top-notch. As far as story goes, I don't understand why Don Callis would put two members of his own team against each other. If I want to showcase my people, I would put Will Ospreay and Takeshita in a tag team match and then call out the winners of the tag team title match after the pay-per-view. I mean, I'm just, you know, uh, um, logistically, you know, why would you put your own teammates against each other like that? And now at the end of it, who's going to win that? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to, listen, you know, Jesse's usually the the one that plays devil's advocate here. I'm going to play devil's yeah. advocate, okay? Yeah. Don Callis, he enlisted Will Ospreay going into All In to take out Chris Jericho. Great match they had at All In in London, okay? Uh-huh. Will Ospreay in October announced that he's joining AEW and he will be signing a contract and will be here in the States when his New Japan contractual dates have been fulfilled which is now coming up and heading into Revolution. I don't think, and now this is just me talking and me spitballing. You guys in the chat can chime in. Someone in the comment section listening to this after the fact can chime in. I'm trying to be devil's advocate here. I don't recall Will Ospreay fully being in the Don Callis family. I think he was used as a hired gun to take out Chris Jericho. Now, time has passed. Will Ospreay has seen what Don Callis is all about. He's seen what he's done to Konosuke Takeshita. He's seen what he's done to Kyle Fletcher, who was in the United Empire with Will Ospreay over in New Japan. He sees how Don Callis has manipulated and infiltrated the minds of people that he once knew. And now he sees what Don Callis is all about and may not want to associate with him. So 
even though Don Callis is pretending to think that Will Ospreay and him are tight and he's in the Don Callis family, he may not end up being in the Don Callis family. And I genuinely think, and I know we got a bomb from Billy again. I'll get to it in a second. I honestly think, Jesse, where we bring in Will Ospreay and obviously he beats Konosuke Takeshita, I have a feeling that Tony Khan has the foundation here to tell a great story. And what that story is, maybe Will Ospreay is the catalyst to open up the eyes of Konosuke Takeshita, take him away from the Don Callis family after this match. He finally sees the light about what Don Callis is all about. And Don Callis goes out there to replace Konosuke Takeshita with Kazuchika Okada. And I'm bringing in Okada as a heel. And I'm bringing Okada in who can't speak the English language all that well. And I'm putting a mouthpiece with him and I'm giving him Don Callis. And Konosuke Takeshi is going to be the prize piece of the Don Callis family. And I'm starting a, a babyface Konosuke Takeshi versus a heel Okada building to that for All In in London. No way. No? No. Um, you can't take Takeshi away from Don Callis. This Why not? Is- this is because this is the absolute best version of Takesh that we've ever gotten in AEW, and it hasn't really got any time to blossom just yet. I'm not taking him away from Don Callis at all right now. But what I if like what if you. what if, if Takeshta joins Will Ospreay and we get some new version of the United Empire with Ospreay and, and Takeshta? Um, but I, I thought that was the plan with um with Osprey joining the Don Callis family. Now I like mm-hmm. the feud. But I would leave Okada as babyface and have him feud with Takeshita as heel. I'm not, I mean, not, we can we can always see what's what with Okada. He's gonna come in as a babyface, so I would leave him as a babyface. We can always turn him. But right now, this is the absolute best version. Quote me if I'm wrong here of Takeshita that we've gotten, and there is no gold around his waist yet. I'm not changing that until we until we capitalize on on this heat. So you're saying maybe we get Okada joining Osprey and we still build to what I talked about, but not Okada being a heel. Yeah, no, yeah. Okada's going to come in as a babyface. We can leave him as a babyface, see how it runs, and we can turn him a week, month, two, I mean, whatever the case. But Takeshita with Don Callis is is the money pairing right now. It it, it just, it, for, for, for Takeshita, it can't get any better. Not right now. We can always flip him and turn on babyface later, but I don't. I don't feel like they've gotten the most out of this Don Callis run with him yet. They break it up now. What? What did they accomplish? Maybe nothing. Uh, yeah, let's. I, I agree with you. You know, I've been saying for for months. I think Takeshita should win a singles title in AEW. Yeah, I agree. Whether that's I, whether that's the international title, whether that's the continental title, so, something. Yeah, and so getting the Don Callis family to get some form of success is also important for the Don Callis family and that brand to be used down the road. So then when you get somebody that joins the Don Callis family, it won't be like, oh, who cares? They're not going to win shit. Yeah. Or will it turn into, well, shit, Don Callis makes fucking champions, bro. This might be good. You know, they, they got to they gotta, they gotta capitalize and get something from this pairing. Right now they just got a tough-looking crew who's done nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. You break it up now, and it was all a waste of our goddamn time. Maybe Kyle Fletcher is the one who leaves the Don Callis family and rejoins Will Ospreay, and that spawns the return of Mark Davis. 
I could I could deal with and we it. Got, and we get the Aussie Open back together. Yeah, I, I can deal with it. And then it's then um, it's the United Empire versus the Don Callis family instead of fucking feuding with Chris Jericho. Yep. Um, Hobbs and Takesta can be a legitimate tag team. Yeah. They could be legitimate, but I'm with you. I would love to see some singles gold around Takesta. Um, and since they are clearly not doing much of anything with the tag division right now, man, we'll see where that goes. But that could be a tag team. But Takesta needs to go somewhere. And I don't think he's going to get any further than he is right now with Don Callis. If they change it now, they got to start off from ground zero again. He was already a baby face and it didn't really amount to anything. But with Callis, now I'm interested. Now he's a badass. Now he's putting on better matches. Callis is, ta- is talking for him. Everything seems a little bit more important with him. I'm not breaking him up just yet, man. Maybe Don Callis manages both Takeshita and Okada, and we get all three of those guys against the United Empire. I could deal with that. Just pair, Oka- with just that. pair Okada and Takeshita together. I could deal with that. I would still bring in Okada as a babyface. You know, just let him get his feet wet for a little bit. Then, yeah, have him do a little turn and put him with Don Callis and Takeshita and Hobbs. That I'm definitely with. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Another Billy Bob with a $100 super chat. I'm tired of the IWC talking shit about JD and Jesse. We love AEW professional wrestling. AEW is the best talent on the planet. Don't fuck this up, TK. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate your brother. As always, listen, man, they, you know, what do they usually say? They hate what they don't understand. But usually what comes off this show on Wednesday nights, like we're discussing now, is some top-tier fucking discussion and some creative direction. We've always been upfront and honest, and if you don't like that on the AW side of things, I don't know what to fucking tell you, honestly. My, my saying is they hate because they have a screen and a keyboard. Yeah, that too. Wardlow, speaking of irrelevant... Wardlow versus a local independent jobber named Barrett Brown. Wardlow wins in one minute with a last ride powerbomb. And that was basically it. Adam Cole was on commentary. I don't even think he got a word in. And then that was basically it. And as soon as the match was over, they went right to the next segment, which was the Young Bucks still wearing their white suits with the stained blood of Sting and Darby Allen on them getting into a limousine, and then driving to the arena, almost making Wardlow seem completely irrelevant to everybody that watched the show. Moving on. I I don't know what their vision is for the Undisputed Kingdom. I don't, but something needs to be done to fix this fast. They may be the most dead stable in all of AEW, and that is saying a lot with Adam Cole as your leader. That is awful. Seriously. Undisputed Kingdom, quite simply, simply put, they're they're not a they're not a bunch of badasses. No, they're not. They're not they're not badasses. They need to be badasses and they're not. You know, for all for all of the for all of the soy milk, almond milk drinking geeks out there in the AW community, I I have a question for you. You know, where where did all the people that the Undisputed Kingdom have destroyed leading up to them taking out MJF and taking the world title away from them in World's End. 
what happened to all those people? Are none of them seeking revenge? What happened to the acclaimed? They don't, they seemingly have fucking uh, Alzheimer's now. They, they forgot about the Undisputed Kingdom. What about Adam Page? He don't give a shit about the Undisputed Kingdom. He got thrown onto a fucking windshield. Not a fucking peep about the Undisputed Kingdom. What about Jay White? He was the first one that was attacked by the Undisputed Kingdom. You'd think by him joining forces with the acclaimed, they let's would- Let's go get these motherfuckers. Let's go get these motherfuckers. Uh, TK or somebody listening in AEW, where is that story? And why have, why have we seemingly swept all of that under the rug? Or am I supposed to forget all of that shit happened literally two months ago? At least Adam, at least Adam Page, I'll give them, he's busy trying to get fucking top gold. He's busy. Fuck, fuck these guys. I'm in the mix for a world title. Okay. Everyone else makes no sense. The most irrelevant group in all of AEW. And people are telling me, oh, well, they're at a stalemate right now because Adam Cole and MJF are injured. I I'm sorry. So we're waiting for MJF to get back to television before we continue telling this storyline. And in the meantime, until he gets back, so your your priority is to kill the Undisputed Kingdom. Is that is that what you're uh, recommending we do here? Because that's exactly the trend that we're on right now. The goal should have been for the Undisputed Kingdom to be running roughshod through this damn company, just taking over shit. And then when MJF comes back, he should be the saving grace to help take them down a few pegs and get them out of power. But they've gained no power. I understand Adam Cole is injured. I get it, but we've on multiple occasions explained how Adam Cole can still be helpful in a role to help get this group over, even while he's injured. All with, all with the help of Roderick Strong, who was white hot. He was white hot right before the reveal of the Undisputed Kingdom, and they cooled him off. How many Adams have we heard since the height of his popularity? Not one. Cooled him off. Roderick Strong would have made a fantastic number two to, to Adam Cole's number one in, in, that, in that faction, and he could be leading it. He could be physically leading it while Adam Cole is calling the shots because he's still on TV, he's on commentary, do some backstage stuff. They could still be fucking killing it. Hell, the, 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 the whole fucking crew did all of this damage while Adam Cole was hurt. They were badasses then. But once they revealed, now they're just wusses. And it's, it's, they're not cool anymore. There's only one positive here. Wardlow's not injured that, that, uh, like we all thought he was after oh. wrestling that match with Commander last week. So that, that's Christ. good news. Thank God. Uh, but what are we doing with Wardlow? I mean, is this something where Tony Khan is padding Wardlow's rankings and his win-loss so that when the time comes, he has a, a reason to give this man a world championship match against Samoa Joe when he successfully defends the title against Adam Page and Swerve Strickland at the pay-per-view. Is that what we're leading to? Because I'm going to start questioning, well, yeah, he's got a great win-loss record, but who exactly has he beaten? So yes. this this is this is where I'm going with this, and for all the fucking people that can't handle criticism in the company and outside the company on social media, I'm going to throw this one at you. Wardlow should not be wrestling Barrett Brown or the likes of Barrett Brown weekly on Dynamite, I'm sorry. What what value is that to me and Jesse, the viewer here? 
So what AEW should do is expand the top 10 and give me people in the top 10 that aren't the top five currently right now. You know, a top 10 where Wardlow can beat all of those guys that rank six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Wardlow should be beating upper mid-level guys so that when the time comes when he gets a title shot, Jesse and I can sit here and say, you know what? Wardlow deserves a match because of who he beat. I'm not going to sit here right now and tell you he deserves jack shit because he beat Barrett Brown on AEW Dynamite. That's the problem with the ranking system, and that's the problem with Tony Khan's creative because they don't take it seriously, so why the fuck should we? Yeah, I think we've established in, in the first version of the ranking system that it can't just be about numbers. You can't just give me wins against no-namers on dark and dark elevations and then throw them on TV and tell me they're undefeated. The strength in your schedule is extremely important. Who did you beat? That should be right up there. And you have to show us these big-time wins and get these big-time names, and it will easily give us the feeling that this guy is easily moving up the ranks. We've already saw Wardlow kill jobbers, two, three at a time. We've already seen it. So at this point, like you just said, he should be on to beating signed, ranked talent and give it some story. It's, it, it would flow and come to you naturally. You don't have to force it. Just book the match, make it a great match, have Wardlow go over, move on to the next fucking week. Do a promo with Adam Cole, putting Wardlow over, how Wardlow's going to give him the fucking title when he gets it so Wardlow can go. And, uh, and now we get seeds planted for an even longer story. Continue that. Make it important. We want to see what. See, here's the problem that you're having. You fucked up Wardlow. And now you're still trying to get him back to the level where he was before you chopped off his damn hair. That's how long it's taking you. And having them beat jobbers is not going to expedite that at all. What do you think the audience looks at when they look at Wardlow? You know what I look at? When his contract is coming up. When is Paul Levesque going to fucking bring this guy into WWE headquarters and sign him to a contract? That's what I'm waiting for. He is a Stanford, Connecticut wet dream. Are you kidding me? Man. Ever since he beat MJF, he's been on the same trajectory since then, and nothing's changed. So why exactly should I care about Wardlow chasing the world championship? Yep. Give me a break. And that has nothing to do with Wardlow. I actually feel sorry for the fucking guy. It's creative as dog shit. Undisputed Kingdom is the worst stable in the entire company. They mean nothing to television. They should have had Tony Khan by the throat. They should have fucking had a hostile takeover of this company. They should own every fucking championship in the goddamn company. Where are they? What are they doing? Why was Undisputed Kingdom, why was Undisputed Era so great in NXT? They were badasses badasses and people looked at them as villains. I look at these guys, I look at Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, jobbers, they're holding fucking tag team titles that mean fucking shit. The lint in my pockets right now are worth more than those tag team titles. Roddy, he hasn't said a fucking word about Orange Cassidy and the international championship. Not one ounce of dialogue at all. I knew they were going to tell no story. No, I want you, but at the pay-per-view in six weeks, what have we gotten in six weeks? Nothing. And Adam Cole is on fucking crutches. And Wardlow's wrestling local Texas independent talent. 
Great stable you got there, TK. Great stable. No, but it's the talent's fault, and it's my fault for not caring, and I'm too critical. Meanwhile, you got a whole writing staff there, supposedly. You got a whole team. This is the best you got? It's your fault for not watching uh, all the shows, bro. It's my fault for not watching Collision, but Undisputed Kingdom is great at what they do. Sure thing. Fuck out of here. The Young Bucks, they got out of their private jet, and they were wearing their same blood-stained white suits from last week, which was great. <laughs> so good. And they stepped into a black SUV stretch limo, and they were on their way to the arena tonight. They have a tag team match against Top Flight later on. Adam Copeland, he went one-on-one with Daniel Garcia. Now, the reason for this match, for all the people that claim that we don't pay attention to the stories, the reason for this match is Adam Copeland, Jesse, has been doing the Cope Open, right? We haven't had any real dialogue at all between Christian and Adam Copeland since the screw job at World's End on Long Island, where Luchasaurus won that battle royal, Copeland beat Christian Cage, and Luchasaurus won the title back only to give it to Christian Cage uh, at the pay-per-view, which was great. Then we get the Cope Open. Christian said, I'm not giving you another title shot. You got to earn your way back to the top of the card. And he's been doing the Cope Open. He's been wrestling anybody and everybody here. And he's accumulated wins, which in his own way, he's doing what he wants. The concept, you know, it's tired. AEW does a lot of open challenges, so I'm kind of numb to it. But in the grand scheme of it, for the story, it makes sense. At least there's a direction, okay? So we got that. Danny Garcia, he's been teaming with FTR. You know, they've been feuding with the House of Black. The House of Black took out Mark Briscoe, which was the original trio. Danny Garcia joins in, backs FTR against the House of Black. Danny Garcia's getting his confidence back, coming out of the Continental Classic, where he went only one win. And now he's eyeing Christian Cage's title because they beat the Patriarchy on Collision this past Saturday. So he said, you know what? I think that title is meant for me. I'm going to uh, go try and get a title shot from Christian Cage. So... Adam Copeland says, well, I'm, I want that title, too. I'm in the rankings. I'm going for that title. Danny Garcia's like, all right, well, I want to prove myself. He's been about proving himself. And Adam Copeland, gracious enough, gave him a championship opportunity. He's like, if you beat me, then I'll give you the match with Christian Cage, and I'll step aside. So that's the reason for this match tonight. There is a story coming into this thing. Now, the match itself, nobody expected Danny Garcia to win. We all expected Adam Copeland to go to the pay-per-view and get Christian Cage for the TNT title. But the ending of what this match resulted in left me a little confused. Now, I don't know where we're going into the pay-per-view. I thought it was Christian and Adam Copeland, but Danny Garcia now is throwing a wrench into these creative plans, potentially. What did you make of the ending here, and how did you decipher what happened here with Christian coming out and the patriarchy coming out, taking both guys out, which apparently resulted in a no contest. I thought it was a little confusing. Yeah. I thought it was a little confusing for, for the for the for the overall story that they're trying to tell. Now, I like everything about it. Um Mama Wayne, you know, Nick Wayne. I'm I'm enjoying everything about it, but it was a little bit confusing. Like, oh, is it is should it be this convoluted to for us to get to Adam and 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 Christian? Is it I mean I feel like it shouldn't be this hard. I mean, the, the story was built in. You don't have to play off old stuff, but this should be easy to just lay out. I mean, it, it seems a little convoluted, no? 
Yeah, uh, I don't know who exactly is enjoying what we're getting now going into this third match for Christian and Copeland. Uh, if they are enjoying what they're doing and they have the freedom to do what they want and they are loving it, great. That, that That's great. More power to them. But as far as, you know, our point of view, the fans' point of view, us here who are, you know, weekly viewers and fans of Copeland's work and Christian's body of work, I, I'm not really enjoying it as a, as much as I was going into the world's end match, you know, and that's a problem. I, I just find like it. I, I just find it to be something that's kind of waning right now, and I feel like we need a conclusion and we need to get to the next chapter, which you know people are saying could be a team between Copeland and Christian. When are we going to get that stage of this story? I don't know. I just, I, it's, it, it's starting to feel like, and I hope this is not the case, and I know we're still working on it. I know we got to let it play out, but it's starting to feel like that they could potentially be dropping the ball on the overall story being told. That's exactly what they're doing. They're, yeah, stre but, they're stretching it, and they're waiting for a specific moment to finish this certain chapter, and by the time we get there, it's going to be too far stretched, and it's not going to be as important as it would be to capitalize on it now. I agree. You know, that's the problem. And again, that's not us shitting on Copeland and Christian. That's just us bringing some common sense and logic to you guys here because we feel it. And after this ending tonight, we definitely felt it. How many more concertos does Adam Copeland need to take before getting that match with Christian Cage? The standings prove that he deserves a match. So what the fuck are we doing? Well, I'm assuming that Copeland's dead for a while now. I mean, after the you know the concerto, you're 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 done. They said he walked out on his own accord. Of course. Oh god damn it! Remember when the concerto happened? Your ass was out for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, get up and went to Walmart this night. You know, what I mean, what the? Now I don't know with the ending that we saw. Listen, some people said that the patriarchy, Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus came in and caused a no contest. From what I saw, I saw Adam Copeland with a uh, regal stretch or whatever the fuck, a yeah, cross face on, on Danny Garcia, and I saw Nick Wayne attack Adam Copeland to cause a DQ for Danny Garcia, resulting in Adam Copeland winning by disqualification. That's what I saw. Some people were telling me it was the other way around that Nick Wayne attacked Danny Garcia. I don't know which way it ended up. Apparently, it ended in a no contest, which got everybody fucking confused because now we don't really know, well, is it going to be Copeland versus Christian at the pay-per-view? Is it going to be Danny Garcia versus Christian at the pay-per-view? Why would you leave Copeland off of a pay-per-view in his home state where he lives in front of 16,000 people on the night Sting is retiring? I mean, it doesn't make sense to leave him off the fucking show, honestly. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm, I, get it, I actually get it pulled up right now to see. There you go. Actual ending was. Let's see. I'm gonna. So we got a low blow. When did they blow? Was this a no DQ match? No. No, this was a one on one match. A one on one match. And Christian gets in. There's Aubrey. He comes a spear. And then, so there we go. So Nick Wayne attacked Danny Garcia. He hit Danny Garcia with an elbow. Aubrey called for the bell. So, technically, he broke up the, a submission hold. I mean, technically, shouldn't that be 
Edge's win. I'm sorry, Adam Copeland's win. If he attacked Danny Garcia, it should be get Danny Garcia's. It win. should be Danny Garcia's win. So Danny Garcia would get the match against Christian Cage, because that was what uh, that's what Adam Copeland said on Collision. He definitely, absolutely, Nick Wayne came in and hit Garcia with an elbow. 100%. So, so the story here from our vantage point coming out of this conclusion is that Christian Cage does not want Copeland at all, and he's avoiding Copeland, but he's all right wrestling Danny Garcia. It would make sense. That's, that's the story that we're, we're heading to at the pay-per-view. So why would anybody believe Danny Garcia is going to win the TNT title? There we go. Hold on. Okay, so so there we go. Taz just said that the match was thrown out. He said it was a no contest. Okay, so neither guy won. That's the official ruling, no contest. Yes. So as of the standings, Adam Copeland is still in the top five, which it is still his match now against Christian Cage. That's as far as I'm concerned. Or, or we get a triple threat match, which I don't really care for because we already have a triple threat match for the main event for the world title on that same show. I don't want another triple threat match on the same show for the TNT title. I think a one-on-one match is where we go. And I think Adam Colpin wins the title. I think Beth Phoenix gets involved and takes out fucking Mama Wayne. And then at that point, I said this on Twitter, Colpin wins the title to pay-per-view. And the first guy he defends that title against is Danny Garcia because of what happened here tonight. That's the way to go. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, but it, it, it it's a... Apparent to me that they're going to have Danny Garcia involved in this outcome in some way, shape, form, or another if he's not in the match. So maybe he comes out at the pay-per-view and gets involved and has a, has a say in the outcome, maybe. But I don't see them doing all of this with Garcia involved to have him non-existent in that match. I don't he'll know. Be involved somehow. I don't know. Either he gets involved here, he'll be on the show with FTR against the Blackpool Combat Club, like I alluded to earlier. I don't. I don't really know. Uh, I think Danny Garcia's character right now is going to remain that underdog who's looking for an opportunity and a big break. Where that big break's going to come from, I don't really know. I, I don't really see Danny Garcia as a singles champion right now in AEW. Maybe a trios, a tag team, something yeah. along those lines. But a single, a singles title, I don't see it. I just don't. Yeah, not right now. Yeah. The match was fine. I thought these guys had great chemistry. So. Yeah. But I, I definitely see a also I definitely see a window for Beth to come in and, and put in some work too. Yeah. Uh Copeland was uh kind of working over the fans in Texas tonight after the commercial break. He was mocking a fan at ringside. He was snapping his glasses in the process. Uh Copeland was cut off in the ropes. He fell back to the floor, hung up Garcia by the injured arm. He was working on the arm during the match. Garcia was working on the legs of Adam Copeland to take out that spear and the momentum of the spear. Copeland took too long to capitalize on a move. He got crotched by getting back in the ring in the corner by Garcia, and Garcia had a dragon screw off the second row. Garcia turns into just a house on fire here, some big strikes, running boot in the corner. Copeland fought out of a Saito suplex. Garcia then connected on another dragon screw. Uh, both guys tried submission attempts. Garcia then sank in an STF. So Copeland cut off Garcia in the corner, delivered a big avalanche impaler, dropped Garcia on his injured arm. Copeland charged for a spear, but Garcia got a punt kick into a jackknife pin attempt for a two. And then right as Copeland locked in his grindhouse, that crossface, Nick Wayne and Killswitch, former Luchasaurus, 
hits the ring to beat down both guys for a no contest. Christian Cage then Christian Cage walking out with his chest out with the title over his shoulder. He's like fucking walking down like he's the boss. Like a killer, man. And he comes out with the championship. He pulled out a couple of chairs from underneath the ring. Matt Menard, who is on commentary, gets up, puts a stop to the chairs, and he was taken out by Killswitch. So the Patriarchy went to deliver a concerto to Garcia, but Copeland returned and clean house with the chair. Uh, Cage cowered in the corner. Shayna Wayne, Mama Wayne, comes from behind and low blows Adam Copeland. Nick delivered Wayne's World. Killswitch hit the big lariat. And Cage delivered a concerto to Copeland before holding up the TNT title with his boot right across the back of his former best friend. I love Christian. I think Christian's fucking phenomenal. Uh, I'm looking forward to a third match, but like I said, my opinion stands on that. I feel like we're waning here. I feel like we're losing a little momentum, a lot of momentum, actually. I think Adam Copeland needs to win that championship at the pay-per-view. Don't know where Danny Garcia fits into this. I feel like he's going to be a third wheel. I'm not interested in seeing him involved here. Basically, he's been involved in this thing for one week. I'm not going to put him at the fucking pay-per-view after we've gotten months of build between Christian and Copeland. This is Christian and Copeland's match. This is Copeland's match and title to win. Danny yeah. Garcia could get the fucking match after Copeland wins the, wins the title, and that's the way I'm doing it. Yeah. How do they get there if they are now booking Garcia as a babyface? I don't know. Babyface versus babyface for that title? No, I don't know. That really doesn't matter to TK at all. No, nah, it doesn't. No. Samoa Joe, Adam Page, and Swerve Strickland. They all had a face-off here. This was an excellent promo segment between all three guys to further the World Heavyweight Championship. So Samoa Joe made his way to the ring, looking sharp as always. Joe said he is there with a spirit of apology. He says he wants the AEW ranking system to assure that only the very best victims are served up in front of me for me to destroy. He said everything was going so well until last week when Hangman and Swerve battled to a 30-minute draw. He says he thought that would kick them to the back of the line, but instead they took a page out of the Texas playbook and made their match bigger and dumber. He said now he finds himself in a three-way match at Revolution, and he guaranteed they will walk in but limp out. He says he stands there as the AW World Champion, and there isn't anything anyone can do about that. So Swerve comes on out, and Prince Nana dances his way out with Swerve. They get in the ring, and Swerve says he can't help but think it's become personal now. He says he's on his way to becoming one of the best ever, and he advised Joe to put some respect on his name. He said, a revolution. It'll be Swerve's house, and he'll be holding up the AW World Championship above his head. Swerve was very over here. Hangman comes out, and Hangman growing that mustache out week by week, thicker and thicker. Hangman said after the last match last week, he wasn't mad. said he wanted to set the record straight. He said he signed a contract for a match to determine the number one contender for the world title. He said Swerve couldn't do it. And if it were up to him, the match would have been between him and Joe at Revolution without Swerve. He says they respect the belt and everything that it stands for. He says he doesn't make the matches, though. So unfortunately, Swerve has been added to the match. He says after everything he has done to him, he doesn't deserve one second of his time. He got in Swerve's face for another stare down. He says he didn't deserve five more minutes, so he didn't give him five more minutes. 
So Swerve doesn't deserve to be the champion either. He doesn't deserve to be in this championship match. Swerve says it's too late. Joe then stepped in and says he's going to whip both of their asses and threw the mic down emphatically, and he leaves with Swerve and Hangman yelling at each other once again in the middle of the ring. Now, you know, I said on social media, Jesse, something that you uttered last week about the uh, fact that Swerve holds two wins over Adam Page, and Adam Page holds zero over Swerve Strickland. I was met with, oh, well, they reset the rankings on January 1, and people were like, well, Swerve cheated in both of those matches. Oh, okay, great. That's that's fantastic. Am I supposed to just forget that Swerve won those matches? One of them being, Jesse, was a Texas death match where there is no rules, so it doesn't matter if he cheated or not. He won the match. Yeah. So I, I, I don't really comprehend, and people are they're coming at me like I'm a fucking idiot. Like, I know why they added Paige to this match. I understand that the rankings reset two weeks ago. I get it. But don't sit there and tell me and Jesse that Adam Page deserves this match when he's done nothing to earn it. He's got the record to show for it, so to swerve. But at the end of it, Adam Page has two losses. Doesn't matter how he got those two losses. An L is an L. Yeah. Swerve is 2-0. and So, realistically, it should be Swerve versus Joe. And the only reason why Adam Page is in this triple threat match is for two reasons. One, adds a little bit more intrigue, and it doesn't really. But number two... He's there to take the pinfall because Samoa Joe is not walking out of Revolution without the AW Championship. Yeah, after this promo tonight, man, I don't know if I want to see Joe lose that damn title. Man, Me neither. Joe is. Why would you do that to Joe? I mean, that's he hasn't even defended the title against anybody but Hook. He so. killed it. But like, but I did say a few weeks back. I've said a while back that this title run for uh, for Joe has transitional champion written all over yes. it. It really, really does. And I say that because Swerve is on a meteoric rise and a loss right now would not be a good thing. No. It really would not be a good thing. You you have the utmost momentum for this guy right now, and giving him a loss for a world title would be a minor setback. I'm not going to sit here and say he's like in Wardlow territory, but you've done such a great job building him up. Why stop now? Yeah. Keep on going, man. You got yourself a mega champion on your hand. Joe is champion right now, and everything is right in the world, bro. It's it's quite all right with me. If he walks out of there as champion, I have no problem with him walking out as champion. My only problem would be Swerve losing. Listen. So if Swerve, if, I'm, I'm sorry. If, if Swerve does not leave, with that title at the pay-per-view, there needs to be some catastrophic fucking understandable reason as to why it happened. I mean, just somebody returned and just killed him or so- something. Something huge needs to be happening as to why Swerve did not leave with that title and it just can't be because he lost the match. They are clearly setting up Paige taking a loss, a pinfall loss in this match, which will result in Swerve against standing tall and him owning the fact of, I wasn't pinned, so I deserve another opportunity at the world title without Adam Page being there. Secondly, you know, when Swerve wins the championship, with all due respect, 
Why do you want him to win the world championship on this show when we all know that this match is not going to main event the show? Samoa Joe and Swerve should absolutely be in the main event. Never mind that. If Swerve is winning the title, it should be the very last segment, the very last moment that we see close whatever show it's on because it should be treated as a big deal. Confetti. Confetti, you know, the whole nine for this guy. So you putting this match on what? Middle of the show for Revolution when we all know that Sting is going to main event and that's the last thing you want to go off the air with? So... Do we know that? Is that a foregone conclusion? Sting main event. Sting is absolutely main eventing the show. Is yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. I don't see. I don't see them not doing that at all. Because if they're gonna do a big title change, then this needs to go. on. That right. is a possibility. But I mean, knowing Tony Khan, I mean, he's gone all out with this thing, uh, retirement. So I don't. I don't see him doing anything but putting Sting on last. Yeah. But you could put it next to last, or next next to last. Do that, then do a cool down match, then do the main event. But but I, I mean I, I I get it. I see you know the world title should close the show, but Sting's last match is an anomaly. That I mean it's it, that's special. Yeah, that's special. So and I don't know. Some people were telling me, well, Adam Page is turning heel. I, I don't think Adam Page is turning heel. Adam Page is working heel because Swerve is so over. Now, yeah. so what do you want him to do? He's only feeding into the reactions that he getting, he's getting because he knows Swerve is the more popular of the two. And, and how would that work if Adam Page went heel? Wasn't, wasn't it Swerve who broke into his home and infiltrated yeah. his baby's room? Yeah. Like, why would that make sense for him to go heel when he has every reason to be a baby face here against Swerve who infiltrated his home? He has every reason to be pissed off. Like... That don't even make sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can. I don't think you can turn Hangman heel in this particular feud because it, it does. It doesn't. It does. It won't work. It doesn't no. work. No. No. He's simply playing into the reactions that Swerve is getting right now, and you know he has stated multiple times he will do anything and everything to stop Swerve from winning that title. Yeah. So. If if it, it, it feels like if it feels like if Hangman wins. Or if if Swerve doesn't win because of Hangman, it feeds into Swerve's original promo that he came out and said that he wanted to be the first black AEW champion. Yeah. Like, once again, he got screwed out of somebody who was already world champion. Not even sure why he's here when I beat him twice. This was my goddamn time. So it, I, I like the dynamic that Hangman is bringing to this whole goddamn thing. Because if it was just Swerve and Joe, to me, it would just feel like, well, it's just going to be Swerve beating Joe. Because like I said, it felt like Joe was going to be a transitional champion in this particular feud. But I do think Hangman does add an interesting dynamic here. But I don't think it should change the fact that Swerve should leave as world champion. We will see. Should be an interesting uh, match of the pay-per-view, and I thought this segment was very effective, and I thought all three guys killed it here. Yeah. Tony Storm. Timeless Tony Storm. Hold on. She presents, uh, okay. she presents Wet Ink, a new, uh, a new film here. She showed off her ankle tattoo, and it said, or she said, it reminds her of an old friend who was so needy and desperate to make it that she actually had her pity. She said she showed her her ways and helped her sign a contract in Japan. 
She said she nurtured her on her bosom of brilliance and sucked on her treat of talent. Or teat of talent. I'm sorry. I actually had a typo there. I'm sorry. Teat of talent. She rubbed her finger over some old photos of her and Deanna Perrazzo. Now, I didn't really get a sense of what they were doing here, Jesse. What, what did she have dubbed over the tattoo? She got it, like, kind of re-inked and remade? What, what, what was there? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to—I'm actually looking at it right now. What is it? Looks like a duck. <laughs> what do they add to the duck? Uh, it's like a dagger going through the duck. Ah. Kill the duck, I guess. I, I don't know if that's—maybe uh, that's like uh, one of them paint-on tattoos. It's yeah, not they really, didn't. Really, it's not really—it's uh, like uh, not really a, a real altercation there. Yeah, I get a temp tat. Yeah. Uh, so uh, she— Dubbed over the tattoo, she rubbed fingers over the old folds of her and Deanna Perrazzo. And then Renee, live, back to live, interviewed Deanna Perrazzo, and Perrazzo said she talks too much. She said she's going to break Tony's arm and called her a bitch. Now, you know, this is, this is not really uh, storytelling that's setting the world on fire. I don't really understand why Deanna Perrazzo coming on in and immediately getting a title match when it's something that should have been established over a couple of months of her being on the roster first. But at least they've taken the steps to tell a story, some real-life element between the two, and have made it into a story here on television. And Deanna Perrazzo is bringing out a complaint that many of us, including Jesse and I, have had. We've talked about this in almost every Tony Storm match with this timeless gimmick that she needs to bring out some of that Tony Storm pro wrestling that we sorely need here. And yeah. it's been a little bit too much character-based and not enough pro wrestling. Now she's saying, you want the real Tony Storm? I'm going to give you the real Tony Storm. Yeah. Good. No, it is good. And I, 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 like, I like the build for this in, in the sense of um, the way that they're going about it. It does not feel like this is a match that Deanna Perrazzo has to win because she just got here. No, um, they're giving her 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 shine in the matches leading up and things like that. Yeah, um, Deanna can can easily lose this match and should, and I'm sure she will. Um, but it should be a good match though. Should be a damn good match. It should be the best women's match we've seen in AEW in a long time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Young Bucks. They stepped out of their limo, made their way through the parking garage at the arena, and they made their entrance. I love their new theme. It's very Succession-esque, their yeah. new theme song. And Nicholas and Matthew Jackson insisted Jackson. that Justin Roberts introduce them as EVPs. <laughs> love it. They got a match with Top Flight here. It went, went about 11 minutes. Not going to really go over all the action here for uh, time reasons. But the Young Bucks obviously got the win. Nick broke up a cover here by Darius. Dante leapt onto Nick at ringside. Darius gave Matt a Spanish fly for a near fall. Matt gave Darius a low blow as Nick distracted the referee. And the Bucks landed the EVP trigger for the 1-2-3. Bucks win. Now, the Bucks on Rampage. Oh, my God, man. I went out and watched a little bit of Rampage for the sake of storytelling here. Rampage... Saw the Young Bucks cut a promo, and they basically said that they want to win matches and get back into contention for the tag team titles, seeing that Sting and Darby are now the tag team champions. So 
Uh, they're pushing their power, and, and they're trying to do the right thing. So they gave themselves a match here with top flight so that they could get a win. Now, I thought that the Young Bucks were going to halt every other tag team wrestling on the show so that they could rack up wins and get that tag team title match at the pay-per-view. But then after the match, Shivani was being bullied by the Young Bucks. Matthew said that they're undefeated, so that makes them the number one ranked team in AEW. He says he has reason to believe that beating a team, the quality of top flight, and he said it's safe to assume that by beating top flight, we're now number one contenders. Nick pointed <laughs> at the graphic on the big screen saying that they are number one contenders. Shivani was critical of their actions. Matthew took exception to this and publicly disparaged uh, the comments of Tony Shivani. And Tony Shivani says that even though they're EVPs, they've been unprofessional. And what they're doing is Bush League and perhaps a breach of contract. Nick then fined Tony Schiavone $1,000. He asked that Tony Schiavone had a problem with that. They knocked him down. They nudged him, or uh, I believe it was uh, Nick that nudged him with a shoulder, and he falls down. Matt says his brother's a little bit of a hothead, and he will try and refrain from doing that again. They offered to help Schiavone up, but they were, in fact, teasing an EVP trigger on Schiavone. I kind of low-key wanted them to do it, (laughs) but they did not. Out comes Darby Allen for the save. And this is where things get interesting. Darby says they didn't initially want to hire him and instead hired their friends, the California crew. He says another EVP with brains was here at that time. And I'm not talking about Kenny Omega. The fans chant Cody. Cody chant. So Darby Allen elicits a reaction from this crowd on AEW Dynamite for one half of the WrestleMania main event at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. Great like job it. there, TK. I, I, I like it. It it it, it shows it, it shows you're 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 not you're you're not insecure. You know, you're not just gonna pretend nothing happened. And if it was if, if it was relevant to your storyline, if it made sense to be used. Use it. The fans aren't stupid. We know where Cody is. We and know he's been we, wrestling. We, we know. We, we know, know where he is. We know what he meant to the company. The vision of Cody is long gone from the company, but Cody was yeah. an EVP. So, I mean, it's uh, it makes sense in this realm, I guess. Yeah. But um, he goes on to mention indirectly about Cody. So last year they did an interview where they said they re-signed with AEW because the travel schedule was light and the money was good. He said their initial vision for AEW was change the world, and now that is gone. He said, you know, you guys had Brandon Cutler, you know, on TV, getting TV time. You gave him a job. He says, you guys want to be Sting's final match. This is where this is going, huh? He doesn't think they know what they've gotten themselves into. Matthew X Darby, is it official? Let's make it official. Darby says, it's showtime. So, I did not like one aspect of this, Jesse. I did not like this one aspect, and that aspect is the Young Bucks should have used their power to make this match official instead of Darby announcing that the match is made official for Revolution. That's the only part of this I did not like. Yeah, I could, that, that would have worked here. Um I'm not thinking about this to I mean I'm thinking about this for the first time right now that you just said it. Yep. Um but my initial reaction is 
now if they if they do that down the road when they're in another feud and they're trying to get something done that they want done, I'm gonna pull this back out. Like, how come they don't just do the same thing they just did with Darby and make it official and abuse their power? Yeah. Because abusing their power will get very stale and very old very quickly. They can't just keep doing that. And if they want something after this feud in the next feud, I'm going to wonder why don't they just fucking abuse their power again? Yeah. What's stopping them? You know? But I want to take this time right now to appreciate something about this segment that may have been missed by quite a few people. Can we take a minute to appreciate how far Darby Allen has come in his fucking promos. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's in the notes uh, that I have here. He he looked and sounded very comfortable. I was even going to tweet, but I kind of refrained from doing it. I'm like, man, Darby's gotten really good on the microphone, hasn't he? Good, man. Yeah. He, I mean, this guy's a shining example of paying attention. I mean, just getting better, trying, practicing. I mean, probably working with other people who are great at pro. Darby was an extremely cringeworthy promo when we first met him. And this one tonight, complete night and day. Uh, I, hats off to Darby. You can tell that he's been working at his pro, maybe working with Sting, maybe working with, I don't know, Eddie. I don't know. I don't know who he's working with, but whoever it is, it's paying off in spades right now. Darby yeah. sounds great out there. Yeah, he's looking good. Sounds good. Uh, the Young Bucks presentation has been spot on. The music is perfect for them. The fact that they came out wearing the blood-soaked uh, white suits again uh, is a prick move, and that is great. That's a heat magnet right there. The fact that they tried to attack Tony Schiavone, great heel move. The fact that they're abusing their power, great heel move. Fines, great heel move. All yeah. of this is adding up to a great, not only visual presentation, but a, a great heel presentation overall for the Young Bucks. I am super excited about this match. Uh, this has been one of the better stories on AEW television, and I can't wait to see what they produce in North Carolina. I think it's going to be really special, and right now the Bucks being obnoxious, even though you might not like them, I think they're doing some of their best character work probably in all five years of AEW. Yeah, this works. Yeah. This, this works. I like it. They've been heels before, and it, it, it hasn't hit uh, like this is hitting right now. This is this is good. And so... When you when you institute a little bit of real life into what you do on screen, it always comes off a lot better. Yeah. Renee interviewed the Bang Bang Scissor Gang backstage, and apparently they suggested a twelve man tag team match to work on their cohesiveness. I'm assuming this is taking place on Rampage. Austin Gunn said, "We've got two words for you: guns up." Poor Jay White. Poor Bullet Club Gold. They were some of the best fucking aspects of both shows. And now, I listen, I love the acclaim, but this shit's garbage. I'm sorry. Do they even wrestle anymore? They just do scissor shit. This shit promos. sucks. This shit sucks. It's Jay White, Jay White does not belong here, no. TK. The, the acclaim were tag team champions, and that was their pinnacle right there. And... They never capitalized on it. They stripped the titles off of them way too soon, gave them to the guns, who in turn didn't do shit with them either. They, I, I, I feel like, I feel like the acclaim had straight up superstar potential written all over them when they were at their peak. They are not the same tag team anymore. 
No, they are not. Gone are the days of them swer- uh, teaming with swer- or uh, feuding with Swerve and Keith Lee. You know, right at that height of the popularity with with, with what they had before they won those tag team titles. Man, that's a lot. That's long. It feels like forever ago. Yes. The scissoring shit, it's gotten very stale, yeah. very old, and very boring. Nothing has progressed with it. Nothing has evolved from it. It's just, it's done, man. Yeah. Poor, poor Jay White. I don't know. Hopefully things turn around quick. He doesn't deserve this fucking shit creative. No. Sky Blue. We love Sky Blue. Oh, yeah. One-on-one against Willow Nightingale. Willow is in a current story right now with Chris Statlander and Stokely Hathaway that we see playing out on Rampage and Collision. Uh, Jesse, do you mind explaining to the people who might not know what's going on about Willow, Chris Statlander, and Stokely Hathaway, what exactly is going on and what the story is here? Yes, yes. So Stokely Stokely Hathaway um, took it upon himself to shoot his shot with Chris Statlander. Um, Meaning what? He wanted to date her? Well, well, it was it was a little ambiguous as to whether or not he was, you know, trying to trying to get them skins because he did label her as uh quote thicker than a snicker. Well, right? he's, not, he's not wrong. Not wrong. He is not wrong. And Chris Statlander was like, ew, no, no, get the fuck out of here. But Stokely was persistent. You know, he was charming at times to the point where he made her blush and he kind of won her over. You know, and then he kind of made it his point to say, hey, you know, me and you working together, you know, I'll be your manager, we can go places. And Stat, you know, eventually came around and was like, oh, maybe. But here's the thing. Me and Willow are a team. So if you want to, you know, work with me, then you got to work with Willow. And it turned into one of those, I don't want to fucking work with her. And then Willow was like, oh, come on, you know, we can work together. You love me. You know, did her cute Willow thing and Stokely was annoyed by her and couldn't stand her and everything else. But if he wanted to work with Stat, he had to work with Willow because I guess if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. I don't fucking know. But nonetheless, it was hilarious. And Stokely was like, fine, whatever. They've been on social media doing uh, public outings and shit posting pictures of them hanging out and 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 Stokely annoyed by Willow being there and shit like that. But Stat stayed the course and say, they better be friends with my friend, you know, if we want to, you know, work together. So he puts up with Willow and eventually they've all come around and now they're a trio. Now he's the manager of both of them, um, whether they work individually or as a team. And the way that they pieced it all together, very interesting. Very interesting. I like it. I think it's good for Willow and it's good for Stat because Stokely is fantastic on the mic and both of them can use the help in that department. You know, so the way that it looks and the way that it could potentially be going, it looks like we could be looking at a heel turn from Statlander to side with Stokely and then feud with Willow Nightingale, which would make this entire story very interesting. Very, very interested to see what they do with this. So that's where we are right now. I like it. You know, it sounds yeah. it sounds like they put some thought into this. Uh, Stokely yeah. is always entertaining. I don't know why we don't see more of him on, on this side of, of AEW Dynamite. And everything he does is always entertaining. But the thing is, AEW Dynamite only has one women's segment every that's week. That's it. 
So that's I, all you can do. I, 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 ask, I ask Jesse, I'm like, this sounds pretty decent. Why are we seeing this spread across the two irrelevant shows? Why isn't this on Dynamite if they wanted to really kind of project some seriousness and a little bit more effort in the women's division? You know, they, they got no fucking space for it. They're too busy giving you fucking uh, nonsensical matches and segments with fucking Bang Bang Scissor Gang. I mean... Something like this, if you really want to yeah. take the women serious on, on AEW television, this is what you need to do. I mean, we, we need more stories than just the stereotypical title match. Yes. You know, when, when Mercedes gets here, you know, I, I want to see you do one women's segment every fucking week. What are you going to do? Yeah. Highlight Mercedes every week, which you should be doing. And, and, then, yeah. and then what else? What else yes. are you going to do? Yes, this is interesting story, not involving the title. Um, it's something that I would love to see progression in every week. This is great. He asked me, JD asked me why I wasn't on Wednesdays. And I said, I don't know. Maybe it's because they have more time to let it breathe on the other shows. Because like you just said, legally, they can only do one women's segment on Wednesdays. But like Athena, bro, you know, on Ring of Honor, nobody's watching the body of work she's putting in for the last year and a half. And nobody's seeing this. No matter how good it is, it's not going to be seen by the maximum number of eyes. And this is good storytelling. And Statlander's too good to be fucking relegated to collision. You know, yes. it's like, come Agreed. on. This is, they, they, this is what we're asking for more story. We're getting more story, but it's predominantly on a different show. I know some would say, well, well now you got to watch the other show to get this full story. I, I understand that. But if it's not possible, and then I'm, I'm not the only one not watching. I mean, look at the ratings. There are a ton of people who are watching Dynamite, but not watching the other two shows. This is a story I want everybody to fucking see. And this is exactly what Jesse talked about earlier. I mean, this is this would be a a perfect opportunity to include a vignette or, or, or video package of sorts to play out this storyline. If you're going to feature these women on TV, they did nothing of that to fill us in on what the fuck's been going on. So if you didn't watch the show... How are you supposed to know what's going on with these two women? You would think that you're watching just two random women wrestle and not realize that there's a whole fucking story going on here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> easily, easily they could have put together a quick package to explain what was going on here. And they've had some funny moments, some funny bits. It would have been a great package to put together, catch everybody up to speed with why, why is Stokely coming out here with Willow? You know, and then Stat leaving. What's going on with that? Well, here's a, pick, here's a quick, uh, you know, reminder. I just explained it all to you guys. That could have been done in the promo package before this match. Yeah. We'll pick it up after the break. Both ladies slugged it out. Sky Blue hit a thrust kick, and Willow answered with a series of clotheslines. Willow connected on a corner hip attack, big boot, and then delivered a beautiful-looking spine buster for a two on Sky Blue. Sky Blue avoided the doctor bomb, hit a DDT, went for a near fall, got a two count. Blue then sank in a dragon sleeper. Willow backed her into the corner. Blue missed a kick and was launched with another pounce by Willow. And Willow went up to the ropes. Uh, Sky Blue slid through and uh, hit a big kick. Corner powerbomb for two. Then she hits the code blue for a visual pin. But Stokely jumped off commentary, distracted Aubrey Edwards long enough for Willow to recover. And then she got the doctor bomb for the one, two, three. And Willow gets the victory over Sky Blue. There you go. Sky Blue lost again, huh? Oh, yeah. But you know who won? We, the fans, did. We win. And Kyle, Fletcher, and Kyle Fletcher wins every night. Yo, man. Fuck that guy. Well, yeah, we'll fuck him. We'll move on. Well, we love Kyle Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, Orange Cassidy. 
Uh, he won a one-on-one in the main event with Matt Taven. Yes, AEW Dynamite main evented with Matt Taven of the Undisputed Kingdom. Let's pause right there for a second. Yeah. This was the s- simple question. Was this the best main event that they could have given us on this night? No. Okay. I was just wondering if that was just me. Uh, I'm going to add something to your uh, next thought. Why do we need a Texas death match every time we're in Texas, Tony? TK? Did this match seem to call for one? I don't know why this match needed a Texas death match. Have these guys had a brewing feud going on before that needed this to result in a blood fucking warfare? No, but that's exactly what we got, man. That's exactly what we got. I said, I said to Jesse, I want to see Orange Cassidy laying in a pool of his own piss and blood by the hands of the remaining members who can actually walk of the Undisputed Kingdom. That's what sort we of. That's the type of shit that would have rectified a lot. The visual of Undisputed Kingdom fucking being absolute badasses here. Now, we didn't get that. You know what they did, Jesse? They made them into the biggest fucking geeks in the entire, in the entirety of AEW, geeks. Now, I will point out during this main event, they did go back and give us recap packages as to what helped get us here. Yes, for this match, they did it. I want to point that out because people, I want, I know people are probably saying, "Well, we did that. We did it for the main event match. That was that was needed." but it was sorely missed in so many other feuds at the same time. Yeah. So we'll pick it up after the picture-in-picture break. Uh, when we got back, Taven hit a big elbow drop off the stage. There, uh, This is a Texas death match, by the way. The only ma- the only way to win this is by knockout or submission. So uh, Taven hit an elbow drop off the stage onto Cassidy, who was set up on a table, which did not fully break. It looked you know, somewhat uh, shoddy there. Taven set up the table up against the stage, hit a suplex to officially break it. Cassidy broke the count by standing up. Taven connected on a running knee down the ramp. Cassidy is now busted open. Back inside, Taven spiked Cassidy with a DDT and went outside to grab another table, set it up against the announce booth or the announce table. He took too long and Cassidy hit a tope, but Taven responded with an enziguri and a baseball slide, which... Caught Orange Cassidy right in the face where he was initially busted open and he started bleeding buckets at this point. So Cassidy put on the brakes in front of the table. He did not go through the table off of that Inzagurian baseball slide. Taven tried a massive dive of his own, clearing the top rope. Cassidy moved out of the way and Taven came crashing down through the table in one of the best looking spots of the year so far for AEW. What a visual there. Of Taven leaping over the top rope and just completely obliterating the commentary table and the wooden table in the process. Yeah, no, he hit the. I think he went through the through the second and the top, and um, the way he landed, the way the camera angle was, they did a good job of making it look like he landed head first into the table. Although he did get a pretty good hand on it, it was a really good spot to go ahead and blade it because then yeah. he cut away. Um, I thought he did a good job with that spot. I thought that was uh, very well shot. Yeah, there was a nice little uh, aerial shot, a sky cam or something like that. Yeah. It was nice. So the commentary monitors were wiped out by the impact of this spot. Taven broke the 10 count by standing up. Cassidy went underneath the ring and found a heart-shaped box of chocolates that read 2OC from Chucky e. T. X-O-X-O. 
So in this box were not chocolates, even though we got a show where Dax kissed Moxley on the lips and we got fucking six men scissoring each other. We got a box of thumbtacks in this heart-shaped chocolate box. He dumped out the tacks. He went for a superplex on Taven, who also is bleeding now. Fought out of it, sent Cassidy crashing into the tacks. Taven wanted a frog splash, but Cassidy moved, and Taven landed on the tacks himself. Cassidy followed with a around-the-world DDT on the thumbtacks. Cassidy got a chain from underneath the ring, but Mike Bennett showed up and smashed a wooden heart-shaped box over Orange Cassidy's skull. Bennett threw a, box, a bunch of chairs in the ring as Tremper Reddick came down for the save, and he had a, bo- a box of roses which contained the pipe. Beretta smacked Bennett's chair into his face with the pipe before Taven chucked a chair at Beretta. With a chair now set up, Taven hit a bulldog driver onto it. Cassidy was there to hit an orange punch and a beach break onto the stack of chairs and tacks. Cassidy wrapped his hands around the chain and hit the orange punch. Roderick Strong ran out and tried to hit a running knee, but Beretta took the bullet. Cassidy sent Strong packing outside, threw him outside the ring. Taven never made the 10 count, and Orange Cassidy was declared the winner of this Texas death match. It was a top rope beat, by the way. Yes, I figured it, it was. It was it was nasty. Yeah, it looked great. Yeah. Uh, the Undisputed Kingdom looked like a bunch of fucking geeks here. We had Taven, Bennett, and Roddy. No Wardlow out there. So three on two were outsmarted. By a bleeding, profusely Orange Cassidy and Trent Beretta. How does this add value to the Undisputed Kingdom? Now, I know Orange Cassidy can't lose before the pay-per-view, but I believe this was a non-title match, wasn't it? I'm not sure. Was this an international championship match? I don't think so. I don't see why he would have a a title match. I mean, every fucking match. Maybe it was a title match. I have no fucking idea. Let's see. I don't see why Matt Taven would have. And look, and Matt Taven being in this main event, not a knock on Matt Taven. He's a fantastic bell-to-bell uh, uh, in-ring worker, man. Um, but his popularity and how he's being used and being half of a tag team, I just don't understand why he's right here in a in a in a in a main event match on Dynamite. I don't understand. No, that. and and like I said, the undisputed kingdom look like a bunch of jobbers here. I mean. Roddy's going to win that title, and when he wins that title, what is it going to mean? What is it going to mean? It's not going to mean anything. No. That was your main event. That was Dynamite. Rampage. Friday. I won't be watching. Jeff Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in a no-DQ match. Why? I don't know. Queen Aminata versus Anna Jay. Why? I don't know. And Bullet Club Gold, the acclaimed, and Daddy Ass will compete in a 12-man tag. Like, I knew it would on Rampage. Why? I don't know. And Dynamite, FTR, will take on John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. And then the main event of next week's show, get this. Tony Khan might have been on some serious narcotics when he was thinking about this main event next week. Samoa Joe, Swerve Strickland... And Brian Cage. So we got Swerve and Samoa Joe. Can they coexist, pal? Against Adam Page, Hook, and Rob Van Dam. So I'm trying to make sense of that. Why are Swerve and Joe teaming up? I don't know. 
Brian Cage is obviously in the Mogul Embassy with Swerve Strickland. But Adam Page came out to save Hook from Samoa Joe, and RVD is obviously friends with Taz, thus Uncle Rob and Hook teaming up there. Sounds like a fantastic house show match, man. Sounds like a house show match, guys. Can they coexist, pal? Can they coexist? We'll find out. You never know. We'll find out on WWF main event. <laughs> Superstars. Superstars. You got to be kidding me. Damn. We'll let it play out. Let it play out. Oh, well, the show wasn't bad tonight. Wasn't bad. Listen, did we did we explain the story to you guys? Did we make up for all the people who came for our fucking balls le- uh, earlier today? <laughs> huh? I think we thought. I thought. I, th- I thought we did a great job. These people entertain me sometimes on on Twitter, man. Like, they do. They do. But you I know what? You, you know what? You know what, man? It. They always end up in the losing column. They always end up always. Wrong. Always. Yeah. Guys, thank you so very much for all of your supports. If you guys enjoyed the content here this evening, please hit that thumbs up. We got 697 likes. That's unacceptable. We had 2,000. We had 2,000 people in here, man. We need 300 more likes for 1,000. Let's go. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206 on X. Follow Jesse on X at Chi-Town Smart. I'm also on Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. There is plenty of it and more still to come. Let's get into these super chats and get the hell out of here. Michael Krause with a $2 super chat. Good day, JD and Jesse. Predictions for Friday's show. Uh, I don't know, Michael, but uh, Cody didn't give us an explanation on Monday, so I'm hoping that The Rock will give us some sort of explanation on Friday. Maybe. Wait, so why did he come out and tell us that he was going to take everything from Roman, but not at WrestleMania? Uh, They felt like it was not appropriate to tell that portion of the story. All right. Yeah. Uh, Okay. It seems to me it's, it's kind of important, but okay. No, well, I mean, you know, to us who want logic, it's important. To everybody else, eh, it's not important. Yeah, they went back to the, the their original plan. It's that it doesn't matter anymore. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, Frankie Rodriguez with a five dollar super chat. Thank you, Frankie. JD, holy shit! House of Glory, March second. What a show that will be. I wish I could be there. Looking like a great show, man. Mustafa Ali's gonna be there. Yeah, and, Steve Macklin too. Uh, no, that's April. April show. Okay. Yeah, that's April show. But uh, we just announced Mike Santana defending the HOG world title against Penta El Zero Miedo. Ooh, card subject to change in case he gets hurt. Man. Well, they have history too from their days in Impact Wrestling. Okay. And Mich- he, gets, he gets Simon Gotch in TNA, bro. What is he doing there? He just he he, he just came in and um, he attacked somebody. He attacked, uh, I think it was Alex Shelley at the end of the show. So out, we don't know. What, what his intentions are, none of that shit. He just popped in at the main event and left. So we'll find that out next week. Uh, I guess that uh, I guess that uh, is uh, not part of the budget increase that Scott Demore wanted, huh? Uh, I don't. Apparently, they they shelled out some money to get Simon Gotch. And yeah. for those who wonder, like, so what? You got Simon Gotch? Yeah, I mean, I get that part, but um, 
well, the color commentary, the color commentary guys ate in English, so we get the vault villains, you know, all and, intents and purposes in TNA. And, and, and you know what? The vault villains just recently wrestled at House of Glory not too long ago. Do they still look impressive? Yes, they do. Simon Gotch is physically impressive. He looks fantastic. Nice. I don't know if he was retired from in-ring work or what. I don't know. Oh, awesome. Uh, thank you, Frankie. Michelle with the two. Most of what Darby said sounded like a shoot. Yeah, they worked it into making it a work shoot for sure. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Juan corrected me. He's he's right. He attacked um Josh Alexander. So okay. I was I was making dinner while I was trying to watch it and everything else. There you go. But yeah, he did. He attacked Josh, and it was it was interesting because uh, I was cooking. I was looking with my wife on my phone, like who is that? And she's like. It kind of looks like the guy from. I got closer, like the Vaughn villain. She goes, "Yeah, that's Simon Gotch." I'm like, that, that's amazing. Didn't see that coming at all. Yeah. Frankie Rodriguez with a five dollar super chat. I feel like Roddy should beat Orange Cassidy for that title. What say you? Yes, at one hundred percent. Everybody's one hundred percent on that one. Uh, Tony Brown with a five. I want to be Sky Blues, dark, hard, candy, chocolate. Oh, oh my God. God damn it, Tony Brown. Tony. Get us canceled, man. Tony Brown, my God, man. Please. Man. Put it away, bro. <laughs> Joseph Gonzalez with a final super man. chat. At this point, the UK, the United, well, not the United Kingdom, the Undisputed Kingdom are a worse faction than 3MB. At least 3MB were entertaining and had two future world champions. I don't care about anything the Undisputed Kingdom does. Me neither. And by the time NGF comes back, it's going to be too late. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jason Barker with a five. Midget wrestling is getting more views than Collision and Rampage. Yeah. I don't think that's very PC. Okay. Oh, well, it's a super chat, bro. I didn't say it. <laughs> Siren with a 14 months. Wanted to say thank you for introducing me to Mutiny Within. Had me hooked from day one. OTS for life. Thank you, Siren. Good band from New Jersey. Surprised Knicks fan with a $5 super chat. I don't know why I come here. Me sitting down every Wednesday to watch Dynamite. Listen, man. They haven't been on top of their game, man. It's hit or miss more times than not weekly. Yeah. Devoted with 19 months. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for the review. I don't know where you went, bro. Where are you going? Yeah. Vinny with a 199. I find nothing cool about John Moxley. Very cringe. I think Moxley's great. I think Moxley gets... Uh, uh, Moxley's uh, taken for granted, honestly. I feel. Yeah, I love Moxley. Man. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know why he feels that way. I mean, I I enjoy what Moxley's doing. So. Yeah. Uh, Delta with a five dollars super chat. Do AEW really need New Japan when they have all their top talent? No, they don't. Forbidden Doors concept is slowly dying. Yep. Jamel Turney with a four ninety nine. They said WWE wouldn't have anything for Jay White. They could have had a lot better than him scissoring. Well, I mean, if Jay White was in WWE right now, he could be a potential for Seth Rollins' WrestleMania main event now, you know? He could be. He could also be in catering or, you know, out there with Otis or something, too. So. Or uh, on Superstars Wrestling, Cedric Alexander, one or the other. Yeah, or a manager. Yeah. Would he even be Jay White? Who knows? Yeah. He may be uh, Jay fucking Habib. Yeah. From the he local gas station. Should have missed. He, he could be doing great things, but he could just as easily be fumbled over there, too. Jason Barker with a $2 super jet. Jeff Hardy just got injured tonight. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. You want to look that up? 
Is yeah. there any news on that? M. James with a $5 Super Chat. Because of how ice cold AEW is at the moment, the addition of Osprey, Mercedes, and Okada just seems meh to me. I don't feel the hype I should be feeling. You know, I'm hyped for Mercedes. I love that woman. Yeah. But Osprey, Okada, as you know, I'm, I'm hyped for them too, but I, I'm meh about the fucking storytelling right now. It needs more. You can't have two hours of television mean something and then three hours of the remaining five hours of television don't mean much. It's a problem. Billy, yeah, Billy, thank you for $200 in Super Chat, brother. Really appreciate you. Michael Krause, $2 Super Chat. Happy early birthday, Jesse. Enjoy your day. Join his live stream on Friday, Michael. Luis Rodriguez with a 999. A lot of these wrestling fans take this shit too seriously. You're the best podcaster. Fuck the haters. If you're ever in Philly, stop by my cigar lounge and have a smoke on me. Lewis, I appreciate that, man. And I don't smoke, but uh, I will take a whiskey on the rocks. Vinny with a 199. Copeland is a huge flop in AEW. Kind of feel bad. I, don't, I wouldn't say he's a flop. He's doing what he wants to do as long as that man's happy. I'm happy for him. But uh, has the feud with Christian jumped the shark? Yeah. It has. Uh, Sir Deep Sen Gupta with a 400 in rupees. Hi from India. JD, I think I used to think you were biased towards AEW, but my mind has changed as I see you call it right in between. Also, undisputed tag team not going behind AEW tag team titles, but Ring of Honor tag team titles. That makes your own titles look weak. I, I don't know how Sen Gupta gets it, but. Tony Khan doesn't get it. Okay, so here is the Jeff Hardy injury, and my God, it looks ugly. What, do you um, break something? We don't know. We don't know how bad it gets, but this is what happened. Sammy was on the top rope, went for a shooting star press. Um, Jeff put his legs up to, you know, you know, get the legs up for the move, and the knee, Sammy's knee came down directly on the side of Jeff Hardy's face, man. Hard. Imagining a shooting star press and Sammy's like, um, like his body hit the knees, but his leg hit him in the face. And my God, the impact was nasty. Could have a broken orbital bone. Could be. Could be a broken nose, face, cheekbone. I don't know how severe it was. But my God, was it bad. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if he finished the match or not. Will Shizen with a $5 Super Chat. Do y'all know if Thunder Rosa is okay? Because it felt like they were teasing a title match with Julia Hart. Uh, that's a good question, Will. Why don't, we, why don't we ask the AEW soy-drinking geeks on social media where Thunder Rosa and Julia Hart is? Because I can't fucking figure it out. They were in Texas, and they didn't trot her out there, man. Don't worry, I'm sure they'll figure something out for Rampage when only 250,000 people are watching on Friday night. Thank you, Will. I think that's all we got. That's the last one. I'm ex I was expecting more. There you go. That's the end of it. I'm trying to find out if he actually... People are putting up prayers for Jeff Hardy. I don't, I'm trying to find out if they stopped it right there or if they finished this match. All I'm seeing is the clip of the injury, and man, it looks, man, he hit him hard with that knee in the face, man. 
Jericho with a $10 super chat. Bullet Club Gold were better suited with Adam Cole over the kingdom. Cole, Wardlow, White, and the Gun Club as a super group would have been the right move and more legit and given the group more heat than they have now. Huh? Listen, Jericho, you said it. Your words to Tony Khan's ears, man. Not going to happen. Anyway, I'm about to get out of here. I am about to enjoy the rest of my night and uh, get some good sleep because I didn't sleep well last night. Thank you guys very much for all your support. If you enjoyed today's episode right here, Will with the $10 Super Chat. It feels like Tony is hoping by getting Mercedes, it will make the women's division better. He's got to do the work because she is the star, and no matter what she does, it's all in the creative, says Will Chisholm. Yes. Very true. Very true. Thank you, Will. Will, bring in the heat tonight. Uh, thank you guys very much for all your support. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that thumbs up. Follow us on social media at JD from NY206. That's X, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Follow Jesse at Chi-Town Smart on X. Go follow his YouTube channel. Click the link in the description. And they continued sure the match. And they continued the match, yes. Yes. And make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And please turn on that bell for all notifications. Guys, next time you see me live will be Friday night. Roman Reigns and The Rock on SmackDown live right here on Off The Script. Until then, guys, and you soy-drinking AEW geeks who can't handle criticism, I'd love for you to clip this show and tell us where we were wrong tonight. I'll give you a spoiler. You can. I'll see you guys Friday. <laughs>